take Robinson on. Most people would say I was mad. Oh, Ryan Stack has played it! Lovely start from Curry, not a bad try, and that's a terrific goal! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. Still not quite a fully live episode, but delighted to say we've got our first live guest today. It's one of our, our team, actually, the same culprit as before, who's letting the side down. Anyway, joining me, Ian DL, of course, virtually is a man who loves computers more than Liam Hatch used to love the Weaver. Uh, all the way from across the Irish Sea is our podcast producer, James Harrison. Yeah, I feel like people might need context that I'm in Ireland. Uh, now, <laughs> but that, that, that's fine. Any excuse to have a dig. Any excuse. Yeah, yeah, that was a dig. I didn't appreciate that. But hello, everybody. <laughs> great, great, to, great to be here. And alongside him, it's the Finchley Shakespeare. A poet, a wordsmith, an artist. Stood down the Steve Percy end of the East Terrace at Underhill. That was his stage, his very own Globe Theatre for spouting his words of wisdom. Life, politics or team selections? Tiberi or not Tiberi? That's the question. <laughs> the man with the answer is Mr Craig Clayton. It's very nice to see you. It's nice to have a beer together, you know. It's, uh, it's great. I thought you'd be a bit kinder face-to-face, but OK, whatever. <laughs> it's been a long time. And joining us live, a man whose name it's impossible to say without the prefix, local boy, being added before it. He lived our dream, and probably that of most Barnet supporters, with a near four-year stint at Underhill during our second football league spell. A tricky winger with a pinpoint delivery and a lethal strike. The first time I've had the privilege of his company since bumping into him in the Electric Forum in 2011, dressed as a WWE wrestler. Welcome to the podcast, local boy Danny Hart. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the beers. It's very <laughs> nice. Uh, it's really cool to have you. Do you know what, Danny, as well? So we started these, we, we give or take a year ago, and this goes out, it'll have been just over a year. And yeah. honestly, you were one of the people I really wanted to get on from the beginning. And, and, that, and I think both of these guys can sort of testify to that. It might not, not have felt like the most obvious one, but, you know, you lived the dream that I think everyone listening to and everyone talking here today wish they could have done. And I think that's good. And look, we can talk about, I think it's well known that you, you, you've you lived in Barnet for most of your life, if not all your life and, and, and whatever else. But what, what people probably, and what I don't know much about is how much you were a fan of the club and, and what kind of, how, how much you would have gone to games before, obviously the story that we all know about when you signed for it. So maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about before you signed and, and your association to the club then? Well, my earliest memory of Barnet was my old man and my granddad going to Fisher Athletic. And this is the story that he tells me that, I can't remember the score, I think we won, because he came on. <laughs> but yeah, he came into my, I was in a cot, I was in about one or two, and he, and he hung a Barnet scarf on my cot, and he was like just singing songs and their Barnet songs. So that's, that's my earliest memory. And ever since then, it was... I think it was like a ten-pound concession ticket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going to games, just walking over there with my granddad, standing on the north terrace, watching uh, my first, Sean's Bayern, Sam Stockley, and it just just that buzz of Underhill, just, just walking literally across the road, just to go and watch the local side, and like, that's, that was like my yeah, it was a dream, like, just to go there and just I think oh, one day I want to I want to play there one day, and yeah. I think when we've talked about Underhill at great length, but we a lot of us start at the north terrace. I think that's kind of like where. Where life starts behind that goal at that uh, at that top end, and then um, like, did you did, so? Did you go like? Would you like? Were you a week in week out away games as well, kind of thing? Probably not away games. It was more so because we had only had that five pound concession ticket. So if it wasn't my granddad wasn't working, like he did the black cows back then, and if I had no one to go with, I'd go on my own. Yeah. Literally across the road, like cousins lived in Brent Place, and now 
see if they wanted to come over. And if we, if we didn't have the concession, it was like fiber. We'd sneak in, like climb the fence or something around the back. <laughs> but it literally, we, we stayed at, we stayed on the North Terrace and that, and it was just, yeah, because, and I was still playing football. Like, I was like with my group of mates. It was like, they all knew that I loved football and I loved Barnet and that. That's what I wanted to do. So there's like me and my cousins were quite close and then we went over there for, you know, like, I love that. It, it's proper that that's like exactly the same. I mean, we will come on to it. We're, you know, we're the same age we're talking before we come on air. And yeah. uh, like I did exactly the same thing. £10 concession ticket, £1. It was £1 yeah. to go on the North Terrace. That's it, yeah. and, and that was kind of your thing. I mean, for the benefit of this is geographically, I mean, because, you know, when you sign for it, we'll come on to that as well. You were always referred to as being local at the beginning. I mean, you were literally around the corner from the ground. Literally. Like, so I grew up on Doddis Valley. Um, so uh, people that, no, Dollis Valley thing was a bit rough, but it was. It was like if you lived on there, you knew it, you knew everyone. It was fine, and it, you could literally walk to the games. Uh, granddad lived literally next to the cricket club. Yeah. So, and then my, oh, my aunties, my mother, nan, and granddad on that side, they lived in Brett Place, which is even closer to the North Terrace. So we all, like the whole family, is literally across the road from London. So. Who, who are your uh, heroes? And not you know, maybe not even just Barnet, but like, thinking Barnet obviously because of the podcast. But generally, yeah. who are your heroes growing up? Um, so, so. My old man was a Spurs fan, granddad was Barnet and Arsenal. But I was, <laughs> if we're talking Barnet, growing up, my first day was like Sean Devine, yeah. natural goal scorers, uh, Scott McLeish, um, Sam Stockley, like that era. But then if we if we narrow it down to hero, it was Darren Curry. Yeah. Darren Curry, he was he had them, he had the blonde tips, he had the Beckham boots, <laughs> both feet, and I was like, that's I want to like that. chopping both feet, striking with both feet. But Darren Curry was, yeah. But that era, that era, that was I loved that era. We will get onto it, but I think when we were, Ian and I were chatting earlier, um, we would have talked to you as well, James. But you're obviously in Ireland. Uh, no, we um, we were talking earlier, and and actually, I think we were saying like you from a dead ball or just generally any crossing position, we kind of can't think of anyone that could cross a ball better with the right foot. And maybe Darren Curry might be the only one that gives you a bit of a rival on that one. But uh, probably, but like it's, when you're when you're that young and you watch the players that you idolise, you think I want I want to be like I went and bought yeah. I went and bought. Like them Beckham boots. Like, <laughs> I, think, like, I can't be, I can't be, probably won't be near Beckham, but maybe I can try and get near Darren Curry. Yeah. So I had them boots. I didn't do the blonde tips. And that, so then, I didn't have <laughs> His mum did them for me, told us. Did he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a, a budget better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's levels. <laughs> but, yeah, but he was, oh, I'm just seeing him do it on both feet. He made it look like so easy. So I, and I followed his career. And I remember being on the bench against Dagnum and he's walked past me. And I'm literally on the bench. I was, I was focused on the game as I always were. And he's walked past. I, for a split second, I lost myself. I was just like, <laughs> followed him as he walked past. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, Darren Curry. And, I, and I've got a picture of Darren giving, um, he'd done a presentation for Barnet Youth. And he played for Barnet Youth. Yeah, yeah. And he was, and he was shaking my hand and giving me like, a, like everyone got a medal that day. And I've got that picture somewhere from my granddad. But yeah, so that's literally the only things you keep. It's like, back then, Darren Curry was the man. I think James and you're into the, you sort of great for him football at Bournemouth. But before yeah. he goes there, something we were talking about beforehand. What are your memories of playing for Barnet at youth level? Because I think you're saying you, you were there at the club. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, what was his name? That's, I can't remember his name. Scout. He was, I don't know, was it maybe? He was a lovely man. He, he was at a tournament and he spoke to my granddad and said, right, bring him down. And I think he was at Mill Hill Power League. I had my trial. Yeah. It was at the Power League and a score across the road. And, um, he, and then they brought me in and they said, right, we'll, we'll sign you. And I think um, Gary Carson and Tom Cunningham, who were the coaches who run it all, and yeah, so literally, literally, I got to wear the, the stripy one, the lovely kit. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was. But we wore that one. We had a good, good bunch of kids and that uh, back then. Oh, 
coaches were good. Who else to play? I can't remember who we've played in that, but we played some good teams like Portsmouth, Southampton, uh, South Engine United. And it was a great experience. And then when we lost in the last game of the season, or drew with Torquay, and, and they had to pack it up. And that's when I kind of fell back into like Barnet Youth and had to start, start again, really, and go again. So, yeah, obviously we got relegated and the youth team system packed up. Yeah. Um, but then you made your way, presumably, back into football around Boreham Wood. Yeah. Um, so how did that come about? And then, you know, was uh, was it Luke Garrard in charge of the kids at the time or was it was um, he a bit later on? So, to be fair, I went to school with Luke Garrard at Underhill. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was probably, I think he, was he old, old enough, wasn't he? Yeah, late thirties. I remember. I think I was in year three and he was year six, and he was like the main man at school. Like, if you're year six and you're the best footballer, you're like the <laughs> main man. Um, but no, so we finished the centre of excellence, and then I was potting around in Barnet Youth. Um, I think did another year or two, then we folded, and then we went to Brinsdown and Enfield. Just potted around till probably year eleven. The following year, left left Ravenscroft, and then went to Bournemouth Pay Scheme and just started earning my trade there. Really. I think at 16, after a couple of months, got roped in with the first team, did a few training sessions, and then we went to a few games, and I think we won the, the division below the Ryan Prent. Yeah. We won that. Um, I was about 16, 17, pre-seasons against Arsenal and, and that. So that was like, so I've, I've actually played pre-season against Arsenal about <laughs> five or six times. So I've been especially like four times with Barnet and, and that. But now Bournemouth, Bournemouth was probably where I played my best football. And that because it was just you just well all the time yeah all the time constantly training um, matches and that floodlit league and because you just you, all you want to do you just try and be pro. When you like, just out of interest, when you were there, so that again, Boreham Wood are a little bit higher up probably than they than they uh, than they were then. Now, like now, they're a bit higher up. Yeah. At that point, at that age, with your potential at that point, at the level you're playing, yeah. How like how far are you kind of like dreaming for for how far you can go and play? To be fair, I was more realistic. I wasn't um, I'm aiming for the stars. I mean, it wasn't like that. It was right. I'm, I want to be the best in the team. I want to score as much as I can. I want to assist as much as I can. I want I want to be. I want to progress. Can I make the first team? Great. Then I made the first team. I was like, all right, what do I do now? Then it was just like, can I get a, a starting spot? Which I started doing, and then and that was it. Really, I was just I was being realistic to the next step. I wasn't aiming. I want to go to here or there. I was just, all right. Be as good as you can be. be. Yeah, be the best player I can be, and then we'll go from there. So I try to stay fit. Why other lads were going to McDonald's after college? I'd make mum would make me like a salad or a pasta and all that. And it was it was coming up like you could see in my performances. Like Gaffer was at the time was um, was Chris Waters. I remember him saying like, "Look what Danny's eating, and you lot are eating chips and mac and beans, and you're and you're struggling." So and it, and it, I, was, I just wanted to be a professional footballer. That was all I wanted. I don't care where it was, when it was. I wanted to be a pro. That's all. That's all that mattered to me. There's another question I was going to ask you, which was, so how old, you're, you're sort of seven, six, 15, so I, 16, 17? That period, that, I, I didn't even finish the Born Pay scheme because of, I think I was what, must have been, I had my trial at Barnet May, so I only just turned 18. So, you, so 15, 16, 17, how much were you missing out on that like your mates or like other people were doing? How much did you sacrifice at that time to go, you know, to, to be, to follow that dream? To follow that, oh, um, at that age, I mean, I was wasn't old enough really to do to go out or drive, or I was getting like the one hundred and seven over to Warmwood and and that. And a few lads. I mean, we used to, I know, back in the day, right, High Street, you used to walk from the Barnet Park to McDonald's KFC, and you do a loop. And it got to a point where like, I don't really need to be doing this anymore. Like my cousins, all that, and my friend, best mates, all cracked on with it. Said, "You do what you got to do." I'm kind of on a path here where I've got to work hard. So like Christmas Day, I was like running 
because I, I knew I had to get an edge on someone. Um, so, yeah, so that's what pretty much I, I didn't really care what I was missing out because I knew the bigger picture was you want to be a pro. Your mates all said that when we were kids, and I, we all said it, but I meant it. You lot, like the girls come in now, the drinks come in now, and the party, and great, that, you don't do that, nothing wrong with that. But I want to be a pro, and that's what you're focusing on that. And yeah, and yeah, and so, so the Barnet thing comes up, and it'd be like, so certainly interesting to hear about how that opportunity came up. But the bit I, I guess, certainly I'm interested in, and I, and I guess these guys, maybe others as well, is that I almost, if, as much as you can remember, take us through everything from the opportunity coming up to what it was like walking in and having a piece of paper put in front of you where you become a professional footballer. Um, so I remember being in business class. I don't know nothing about business class. I was just like staring at a computer screen. Like, what was doing? <laughs> anyway, like my, I think I had like some crappy little mobile phone. My, my stepdad rang me and said, look, I've, my, um, somehow I got hold of an agent who was like a family friend. We've met, he's, he knows Paul Fairclough. We've got your trial, one week trial Barnet. So I'm in business class, massive Barnet fan, thinking, team's going to send me out of here. <laughs> so I'm like, put the phone down, I'll put you back in a minute. So I've managed to go out to the toilet, called him back, said, what are you talking about? I'll stand on. I was like, I've got your trial, but you need to leave now. You need to drop everything. And I was like, <laughs> this is my education at some point. Even though, like, even though I, I love school, I went to school, I think I missed like one week of Ravens. I just love school, but uh, got to college, or uh, Hartford School, and he said, oh, you need to bleed. And I was like, I can't just drop everything. I've got a game on a couple of days. What do I do? I didn't want, want to upset Bournemouth because they've been brilliant with me, uh, give me an opportunity in the first team and that. But then on the other hand, I'm like, buy it and offered you a try. You can't. So I was like, all right, sweet. Then sort it out. And then and then I remember driving up to Queenswood School where we used to train. And um, I'm in my little course up, like some little banger. And I'm like parked up, parked up right in the corner and I'll see the car. <laughs> and I've walked over and then I've seen Liam Hatch. I'm like, shit. I'm like, watching his old striker. And then I think I see uh, Lee Harrison, like another hero. I've been watching you since I can remember since I was a kid. Um, and then also I see Grazioli. Like, this is getting ridiculous now. These are my heroes. Yeah. And I'm about to go and play training with yeah. him. And I was like, geez. So I just literally just put, put my bag on, went in the change room put on my kit. I think they gave me a training kit and I was like, I was literally in awe. I was like, this is yeah. amazing what was going on. So I had a week's trial um, and then I got told I'll like, come back next week. And I think it went on for about four weeks and then I remember it, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Faircraft took me, he was training at the cricket pavilion and he took me in the change rooms where we used to get changes like under six, under sevens for Barnet Youth. Yeah. Sat me down and said, right, we're going to offer you a two-year deal. From that, and that must have been just with a two year with a two year option, and I'm like sitting there thinking, <laughs> I'm a Barnet fan. This I like to be professional. Everything I'm just giving it. Everybody. No worries. How much of you's like toys interrupt? But how much of you's it's a professional contract, and how much of you's wondering how many zeros are going to be on the end of the number? Do you to know be fair, <laughs> to be fair, being a Barnet fan, it didn't matter. He could have offered me nothing. You're going to play for Barnet, yeah. And that was it for me. I was like, I've literally just accomplished my dream. Like yeah. I'm a professional footballer for Barnet Football Club. Yeah, I've watched you guys since. Since I can remember, my granddad's hung a scarf on my cot to play for Barnet. I've been a ball boy for Barnet. I've watched Sean Devine, Scott McLeish, and everyone like, this is a dream. Like, I'm a Barnet fan. I was like, so inside, I'm screaming, like, oh my yeah. God, this is how much to until a month. And that, and then, um, yeah, I finished training, called my dad, said, uh, they've offered me a contract, went home, and literally, I, I, can't, I, literally, I can't remember what I did. I, I, I reckon I probably just sat and stared at the ceiling and saying, like, what, should, <laughs> what, what has just happened? Like, you just... Everything you just put yourself through, everything you've missed out on, 
it's all been worth it. So I was like, might let's crack on now. What can we do? And then see what happens. Yeah, I, I remember the announcement you're signing quite well. I remember that, you know, I said, we're going to keep coming back to it, the local boy tag and that being yeah. like a real thing. And But people being excited. And like you say, you know, we've got friends who have done Dollars Valley Estate yeah. itself, and, 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 you know, speaking to people who knew you and all that. And, and that was all all really great. And so you've kind of got that summer to get your head around yeah. the reality of what your life's going to be now. You're going to be a professional footballer, Barnet, at the age of 18 or Yeah. Um, you know, you say you went in for the trial, you've been a bit in awe naturally, as any of us would have been of some of the guys there. What was it like when you came back in that pre-season and going into the next season as a member of the squad? You know, what are your memories from that start of that kind of time as so from know, that from signing that first pre-season was the second pre-season. The so your first season as a pro with the club, like oh, where, um, where, where like you know, you're in it and and were you amongst the first team squad straight away? Yeah, straight in because it wasn't, it wasn't, there was a. Uh, wouldn't have had the setup, then, I suppose. No, no, it wasn't. I can't remember. I remember ProTech being around and then a few lads coming in from ProTech, yeah, yeah. like Joe Tavieri and that. And to be fair, I still speak to Joe. He still calls me local lad. He was a player, to be fair, as he well. Was, he was, I remember he was strong as anything. He was ripped and everything. I remember I put him on his ass one day <laughs> and he like, barged him and trained him. And um, yeah, Never let him forget it. Uh, <laughs> about 10 times he'll do it twice. And then like one time when he lost his foot in, I stitched up too strong. But yeah, I know, so he's, yeah, he's wicked. Um, but no, yeah, there wasn't that setup of, right, you go and play in the reserves or the, it was just like you're involved in the yeah. squad. So you was with, just with their players. So I would jog in for warm ups and I'm standing at the grass. He's like, you're my hero. But no, no, you literally just have to switch it and you're, you're part of the squad. So it's like, you, you, even though I'm a fan, and now I'm running around with all got book. Like, got to put that away, got to put that to one side. Like, you got to crack on now, you got to earn your spot, you got to earn your stripes. And off we went, really, from there. So, Danny, like, so first game, you go into the change room. What's the first thing you see? Um, first game for Barnet, the morning, I don't think I slept that night. Uh, do my usual pre match meal, go to my nan's, scramble egg on toast, and walk, <laughs> and walk, to, the, walk to the stadium. Walk in the change room. I didn't know. I didn't know I was in the squad or anything. What's the what? So which entrance you go into the stadium? Um, I f- so I I coming up. So you when Nan lives, she you cross the traffic lights. So, so past the pavilion that way. Yeah, that so route, yeah. Walk up to the pavilion, cut through the pavilion, and then through the bottom where the dark suite is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk through there. Walk and is there a moment when you get to the doors? Because a lot of people are getting turned away at this point. If you wish, <laughs> if you wish that one of us. Um, do you have to show like an ID card? Right? Do you have an ID card or like? I tell you what, like I'm up. sure there was a, an occasion when I got stopped and I was like, oh, I'm a player, mate. I'm, a player. <laughs> I'm sure in my first early days, but then obviously when you're there on a regular occurrence, it's, it's natural. Yeah, but, in. but that first game, walking into the change room, I didn't know what to expect. So I walked in and I saw the shirts up and I just started scanning and I've seen my name and on the shirt and I've walked up to it and I was like, shit, this is real. <laughs> this is real. Like number 17 and that. And I remember... T- before the team talk happened, I remember taking it off the peg and then going outside because I knew my dad was near the tunnel. Yeah. And I went outside and I said, Dad, look at look at this. Look, you know, this is this is our name on the back of the shirt. And I because before that it was just you at non-league level, you just got your number every like from one to sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Here I am, number 17, with, with my name on the back. And this is I, I literally was blown away. I couldn't believe Did it. Did you choose 17? No, didn't didn't. So that and that and that number has stuck with me throughout my life now. It's like, it's, it's something I've seen in the brigade. It's something I've seen in like my, the year that my, my, my first child was born. 
And it is like such a special number. And that just goes back to being in, what, 2007, playing a game for Barnet. It is literally, it's my number. It's, it's a number that, that, that I'm getting tattooed on me because it means so much to me. And it goes back to Barnet. So, yeah, it's, that's, that's that first day, yeah, seeing that was, uh, was a special moment. Because they're like heroes as well as like your, but you, you're, you're there in your own right. Did you feel you had to do something extra to prove that you're at this level? Like, did you? Um, no, I've, I don't think I needed to, thought I needed to prove to them, but I wanted to prove it to myself, right? Everything that you've given up and like we said, I was like, no, you're here now, but you can't get comfortable. You've, yeah. got, to, you've got to just got to crack on. Because these, these, but I needed to work extra hard, probably more than so because they were like, Nicky's been at, Nicky Nicolau was at Arsenal and these guys have been around that environment where I've, I've had to work my way up through the non-league system. Yeah. So I just thought I've, I've got to work a little bit harder with it. So, which is what, what, how I trained, how, how I got through it and that. So, I would like to point out at this stage that um, out of all of us, you weren't the only one living the dream at that stage because I was employed by Barnet Football Club at the time, <laughs> albeit as a temporary programme and website editor. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, you know, we spoke about this in the week. Um, I remember uh, taking you out onto the pitch with that gold shirt to un like unveil the signing. Uh, but clearly your experience would have been a little bit better than mine because I was stuck in those porter cabins at the end of the, uh, <laughs> at the, end of the stadium and, yet, and then you're running around with, with people that we would consider to be absolute heroes. Um, you know, early on in that season, uh, you did get the opportunity to um, uh, you know, get your first taste of uh, first-team football away at Brentford. Um, that was early in the season, early in your Barnet career. And yeah. Brentford are not exactly a small club. It's about 5,000 there. And, you know, actually, yeah. I remember it being um, an early substitution. I think it was, uh, I can't remember who it was that went off. Oh, half but, an hour, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was an early substitution. Um, you know, you're on the bench. Uh, at the moment that Paul Fairclough looks at you and goes, Danny, you're on. What's your reaction in that situation? I remember you talking about a game at Dagenham where you just sort of lost yourself for a minute. I can't imagine... From your perspective, what that must have been like. Just talk us through that moment at Brentford um, when, you, when, you, when you're coming on. To be fair, I only lost myself only because Darren Curry would pass me. With the Brentford, I remember going, I think there was, I think we played Hereford at home a few yeah, weeks week, before. Week four. And I was on the bench there. And I remember, I remember Paul looking in my direction. He might have been looking at the subs down the box, but I remember sitting on the bench. I didn't know if he was looking at me and I kind of glanced over and he was. I thought, oh, here we go, like, I might be going on here. And uh, it, it never happened. But then the, the Brentford one, I remember, I remember him getting injured and I started warming up before I, you never know, it might be me going on. And then when he called me on, I was like, yeah, like, heart sunk a little bit. I'm like, oh, this, is, this is big now, this is, this is it. And then I thought, right, get on there, first five minutes, don't give it away. And then I think, went on there, I nicked it off someone and passed it back, thinks it might be Nicky again. And then it went from there, really, and I'm just, just, yeah, just took it on. I was like, wow, this is like... How different is it to um, training when you're, like, when you walk onto that pitch? Is it... There's two, two different things. One, you've got the fans, but also, yeah. is the level different? Like, people taking... Is it... Yeah, like, from... It was, yeah, different. It's quick, it's fast. Probably that Brentford game was probably like, this is, this is intense. And I was like, you need to get up to speed quick. And it was, it was like a shock to the system. And now I'm just turning in... Just been in that environment for a few months and that. And then I, I just remember I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like the warm up I loved, getting on I loved and that. And then um, and I, I was looking the other day actually at a couple of pictures from that game. I, I don't remember the guy getting sent off to be honest. 
Um, Stevan and Angus. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sent off. I, I didn't remember that. It's a great chant the cow that day, wasn't there? Was that medium rare? Well, well done, Angus. <laughs> <laughs> another, <laughs> another one, another one that never caught on. I think. Yeah, I think that was that was the thing is that was his only appearance for Barney. Yeah, exactly. he weren't there long enough for it to catch on. No, it's right. I mean, obviously, we'll come on to it more, but I, I do remember again, not rose tinted or anything. Danny coming yeah, on yeah. and it being a, a bit of a thing in the away and like go on like real yeah, exciting we've got yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. kids from Dollis Valley on the pitch like, oh man yeah it was I literally running on and I'm taking it all in and I've just yeah. I've, got, I've got vague memories from that game because it just happened so fast and then I remember coming on having a half time and I can't remember when I got subbed back off and I don't know how I took it to be honest I, I don't know I was, I was a bit confused like oh man he brought me on I, I didn't think I did that bad or maybe maybe he went for a different tactical or technical uh, route. If we now need to change Danny again and go from there, but I, I took it on the chip and I had, to, I had to grow up, and that and it kind of went from there really. I just, yeah. Did you get an explanation why he got taken? No, not that I can remember. Um, but like we said earlier when we were speaking, and that from being an eighteen-year-old boy to when I left being a twenty-two-year-old man, if it happened then, I'd been banging on his door. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on? But as an eighteen-year-old boy. Playing for my dream club, I didn't yeah. want to upset the, the app club because I didn't want to. I, I just wanted to be there. So maybe that, maybe that was why. But by the time I got to upset them, by the time I left, I was like, I'm a, I'm a man now. Give me an honest reason. But yeah, 18 year old boy playing for, for his for his dream team. Yeah, I'm not going to ask that question. Talk about Brentford, and we talked about when it's like making a debut and all those kind of moments. Yeah. Um, there were some big players in that uh, in that dressing room with you. Uh, some players that went on to go and do some some stuff yeah. as well. What's like? Which of those do you kind of remember as being quite like pretty special? And like, how was it playing with them? To be honest, yeah, I think when people look back at my career at Barney and they think oh, you didn't you didn't get as much out of it as you wanted to, which is true. I didn't get as much out of it I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to do as much as I can for that club. I love that club. I still love that club. But they, I think some people forget who I had with me <laughs> in my position, not at the club, in yeah. my position. I had Jason Punchin, <laughs> who, went to on, who went to play on for Palace in Southampton in the Premier League. I had Yannick Balassi, who got who went to Palace and got bought for £30 million <laughs> for Everton. And I had Albert Adoma, who's had a wonderful career in the Championship and in the Prem. These three lads in my position were <laughs> But I literally, right... What do you want to do? I'm thinking, wonderful players. What am I going to, am I going to get a chance? So I thought, you know what? Head down, work as hard as you can. Enjoy the experience with these players. I was constantly talking to Punchin, like because Punchin, I think, was the oldest out of all of us to speak. And I was just talking to him. What are you doing? When are you getting invested? When are you, when are you thinking about crossing? When are you <laughs> yeah. doing this? Just give me something. And, and then Albert, you couldn't do anything with because he would just kick it and run. Yeah. And he had all the skills in the world. And he was rapid. And Yannick, I remember marking Yannick in, in uh, training. And he's doing these tricks, and I remember him. He, he, and he done it in the prep. He sweeped the floor with his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He done that part yeah. against me, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're yeah. sweeping the floor, and then off he goes, and you can't stop that. So, and then like, um, so I, I love working with them guys, and they and they're wicked guys. I so when I worked for Spurs, um, doing coaching, I used to help out the ball boys, like help manage them. And I'm doing my lap round regularly, and that makes sure the boys are sitting and they're comfortable and where they are, where they're sitting and that. Um, Yannick's doing his warm-up for Everton. He's come over and said, look, these are how nice these guys are. They're probably down to earth. I see punching in the tunnel like when we came from Spurs play Palace. Come over and said, look. Like, these yeah. lovely lads. They're like humble lads. With punching, just to go on that, was 
I'm trying to put it in a better way, but I'm not going to... Was he a bit of a wrong'un? Like, when he was a Barnet? Because I, I, know, <laughs> I know there was a lot of stuff that followed him around. Um, were, were you aware of that with him? Or, or, or did he leave that at the door? I, heard, I, remember, I remember being in an incident outside of football with him, but I didn't know punching outside of football. Yeah, yeah. So, and to be fair, only probably Gratz and Maro, because Maro lived like two, two flats away from us on Dollis Valley and that. But I didn't know the lads really outside of work, outside of work or outside of playing. So in football, for all I can say is that they were like lovely guys. They helped me as much as I could. Um, yeah. So the punchin for me was the best one out of three. Of the so there's a, there's a handful of them that you played with over the time actually that were like really went on and did some yeah, special so, stuff. Yeah. Like, the, out of the squad, it'd be Gratz because Gratz lived off Maze Lane, like probably two roads from from where I lived. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time. Um, but we carpooled together. And he, him being a season pro, who'd been around it, who knew about that environment. So I kind of, he kind of taught me how to like handle yourself in, in this environment. And uh, we carpooled and that, and he kind of took me under his wing. Kind of if, um, so I, yeah, Gratz, like, I still bump into now and have a good chat with him. Um, yeah, Gratz would probably be mine. If I needed to go to someone, it'd be Gratz. So you, you mentioned a few names there, like Albert and, and Yannick and everybody, and obviously they were class to watch for the terrace. But, you know, you've got other names like Gary Breen, Josh Wright, um, someone like Gary Breen as well that's, that's like a name you know what was it like playing with someone like him and was there anyone else on the training pitch who you know was absolutely ridiculous in training but didn't perhaps uh, fulfil it on the pitch um, well with Gary Gary was probably the out of all my years at Barnet Gary Breen was probably the most professional as well as Paul Furlong yeah, of course yeah, yeah, yeah. Hero. Paul Furlong I remember Paul Furlong was training and he'd been there a couple of weeks and was having a chat and a warm-up and he said, look, he was, he was chatting he probably like, put his arm around me and said, look, I can see you're doing well, you're training your artists and I said, but your time will come, your time will come and I, that kind of gene up a little bit. And I remember seeing Furs, he was what, when he joined us? 40. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40 yeah. So he was... Like twice trained. Yeah, he was ripped. Yeah, he was yeah, absolutely yeah. ripped and he, he would get in early, he'd do his stretches, he'd go and see Steenie in the physio room, train, train hard and then he'd come back and see Steenie stretch and do it. He was just like the ultimate professional. And the same with Gary. Like Gary in pre-season was the fittest man I've ever seen. And I've tried to stay with him. And I literally, we have come on to like our last lap and then I'm like doing like a, I don't know, run for about ages. And I was like leading. I was like, I'm going to win it. And I literally led just seized and he just went, ran past me like absolute rookie. Right? And season pro just like, yeah, it was, Gary was wicked, like absolute pro just to, just to model yourself up. Like he'd been there, he'd done it. Like if that, that's the level yeah. try and stay I'll, I'll try and stay with him as much <laughs> can I take part in yeah and then I literally blew up I was like no that's why that's why he's like up here brilliant um, and I remember I remember Josh Wright coming in as a 17 year old and he went straight into his bed and I'm like hold on a minute why is this where did he come on he came on like Charlton, Charlton, Charlton was it yeah, yeah. And then I'm thinking, why is this why is this kid going straight in? And then he played, and I was like, oh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he's going straight in. Because he was wicked. He was he was like another great professional. He's had, he's another one who's had a great career. And that, and I remember, I think I think when I, I can't remember if Josh came before, but when I went to Furrow, I played yeah. with his brother Mark. Well, only way is Essex Rocky yeah. and Mark right. Yeah. Before all that, he was left back, and Mark brilliant. <clears throat> and I remember Mark a few years later coming on trial at Barnet. I think now he's uh, um, yeah, he came on trial at Barnet. I don't know if he signed. I'm not. No, he never no, signed. He's in though. I think. Well, no, he played for Crawley, didn't he? Yeah, he cut this year. He played his yeah. least. Yeah, that's something I remember. Remember um, seeing that. I think my wife saw him when he was DJing <laughs> like in Ibiza or whatever. She's like, "Oh, my boyfriend's name." <laughs> 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 but do you know him well enough to like walk up to him and
Say hello. Um, to say hello, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably enough of that, but not anything more, probably. But yeah, he was, but Mark and he was a lovely guy, and so was Josh. And Josh was an ultimate professional, and that's probably why he's gone on to captain teams in, yeah, yeah. in, in League One and League Two, and probably in Championship. So then that was, that was like, just, that was just a handful of some of the players that I played <laughs> with and that were there when I was there. And I think, I have, to, and I, literally have this, I have this literally whenever, like, when that brings it up and we have a chat about my time at Barnet. If I joined maybe a year before or a year after that four years, yeah, I might yeah. have got more game time because I had such wonderful players there. So when I'm looking back at it, do I have any regrets? Probably not. Maybe work a little bit. No, not, not even work hard because I work my socks off every day. But maybe ask more questions with the gaffers. Say, look, can I play? Can I? Why am I not do playing? You, do you ever wonder why that team or those teams didn't do more? Because when we, we were talking about this and we looked back and we actually talked to Paul Fairclough about it a bit in the week and some of those players really ought to... I mean, we should have been in a different place, probably, shouldn't we? I mean, that first year, when we finished, I think we finished in the top 10. Finished 12. But that's that 12th place finish is by its best finish okay, yeah, that since was, yeah, 2000. Yeah. We haven't been anywhere near... See that top half of league two since then. And now and the, the, the thing is, you look back now and you think about them players we had. Yeah. Why didn't we do more? Yeah. But maybe because that was they were so young and they were just signing out as well. But I mean, yeah, that was <laughs> it was like sometimes I got pinched myself thinking, oh, these, I'm watching these guys now on TV like Yannick yeah. down Middlesbrough. I, I played with you. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you do that in training, and and it was just I think yeah, okay, that's decent. That's not bad. <laughs> you did all right, but yeah. Don't mention some fair there. Just, Neil Bishop obviously came in around that yeah. time. I think signed the same time as you. He, he's with a character off the pitch, you know, yeah. for liking the beer and stuff. What was he like around around the sort of training ground and, and whatever? You know, um, come in smell the beer, or was he kind of no? To <laughs> be fair, at the time he was professional. He was hard working, and he would smash you in training, and he would let you know that as well. I remember we had a little, um, a little. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> Nothing. He was like, he swore at me. I swore at him, and then a little disagreement. Yeah, yeah and, and I split it up, and then that was it. So I was, and then that. But he was, he was another great pro. I remember, where was it? I think it was the Port Vale game at home. And I remember, I thought I was doing all right. He was just screaming, screaming, screaming. Like, what am I doing wrong? Get in. Like, tucking me in, pulling. But back then, you needed that. And I loved that. But Neil, he would, he would tell you how it is. You know, you're not doing right, get in here. And, that's, and that was, it was a men's game. And, that, and during that time, it, it was making me grow up. We'll get back to the chronology in a second and talk about, you know, your own individual thoughts. But just think about those training ground situations. I mean, and think about some of the players that follow you to Wack Bishop being a bit aggressive. Yeah. Michael Leary was sort of famously mm. quite a, quite a yeah. one of a better phrase, but a lunatic on, on the pitch or whatever. You know, in your time at the club, be it in that first year or throughout, were there any big kind of spats in the training ground or any big kind of um, issues with people? To be fair, probably throughout the four years I was there, there was always a little little disagreement or I think it goes on more than people realise yeah it? and it's and it's part of the game and if if it's not happening and there's for me there's something wrong because it shows that people care and people are trying their hardest they're yeah. making real tackles they're pushing their barging because they they and end of the day there's a 22 man squad and there's 22 men that want to play football yeah. that want to be in that starting eleven. As a fan you want that as well. Yeah you'd rather yeah. that hundred percent hundred percent if they're all being nice and everything you're not going to get the best out of each other so for me, when I saw that, it was like, good, that means he cares, or he didn't like that. And so, great, got a bit of aggression in him, let's go. But yeah, so I know, yeah, I, I welcomed it, and I, and I saw it, I was like, yeah, good, let's have more of that, so, yeah. We, we've talked to players that um, have both been, well, not, some that have been relegated, some that have been promoted. I think Ben Shriven's probably the only one that uh, ticked both of those boxes. But um, when the team isn't doing well, 
we've heard stories about how factions form and they go out and there's a diff there's a kind of partying, a, a, a team that's not doing well type of partying. When we've had teams that have gone up, we've heard about how the whole squad will go out week yeah. in, week out. You you were at the club at a kind of period of time where we were a bit near the bottom sometimes, a bit near the top of others, but it was a bit, it was kind of, we were pretty much safe most of the time. Was there a going out culture? No, I don't even mean in terms of like at the wrong time, I mean at the right time. Did people, were people out and about together? Um, to be honest, I can't remember. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> <That is laughs> you know. Did, 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 did you allow yourself? Once you signed those pro forms, did you allow yourself the odd McDonald's? So this is what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. So like when I signed them pro forms and I was playing for Barnet Football Club and this was my dream, I thought there's no way I'm going out to, to ruin anything. So I need I needed all the advance I could get. So I was I was I was saying earlier, like when it was Christmas and now I'd be running on Christmas Day. When when like when my wife was out on the New Year's Eve or Boxing Day or wherever it was, or Christmas Eve, wherever it was, I was at home. Either mum was making me chicken and pasta and I was stretching or just just get my mind on the game for the next day and like I was proper dedicated. Like you're living your dream. Why are you going to do anything to take this away? So I thought, no, I'm just, I just yeah. Pro forms, switch went off, and that was it. Like Barnet was number one. Barnet was all the mad. Like, like we said earlier, like when players come and go, like they're moving on, they probably forgot about Barnet by the minute they've gone. Whereas for me, Barnet was everything. And I was like literally training, like literally working my bollocks off every day. And I think, you know what? I've trained better than him, better than him, better than <laughs> him. Right, Saturday, walk into the change room, look for my shirt, wasn't there. And some, like, at the start, it would be, all right, I'll wake up and listen to the team talk. I'll ask um, if it was Hendo or, or Paul, can I do the warm up with the lads? But then it got to a point where I didn't see my shirt straight out of the dressing room. That's when I started to grow up and get annoyed and like, think I'm working my socks off. Why am I not getting it? And that's when I started knocking on the door. But before we get to that point, I suppose, you know, in that first season, and, you know, you had a couple of loan spells, I think, yeah. in Northwood, Wivenhoe Town, I think I was reading. And I remember Fairclough yeah. saying stuff in the press locally about how you were a prospect. And I think yeah. when I was doing research this that. He said for the Wivenhoe loan that they'd put a clause in where they could call you back. And obviously we did yeah. call you back because the last home game of the season that year, Stockport at home, you get your Underhill debut as a sub. Yeah. Um, you know, from what all you've said, Danny, about you know, your association with the club, your you know, your relationship with Barnet as a fan. Yeah. What was that like making your Underhill debut? You know, I imagine you had family, friends there. Like, what was that day like for you? Literally was the cherry on the cake. It was, it was the dream, it was the pedicle, it was the dream. Right. But before we get out, that with no blow. Where is Wivenhoe? It was like... Did sure, Wayne Purse oh, play for him? Was he there at the time? No, but I'll tell you what's there. Stuart Nevercott played Spurs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he, there was like, I remember Gaffer saying, oh, Stuart, what do you think about like, playing on Tuesday night? Oh, I love Tuesday night. I love the floodlights. I'm sitting there, who the hell was this guy? <laughs> and then I went home and I was like, research his name. So yeah, but I I played some I played some wicked football at Wibbenau. I think I scored about two hat tricks. I loved it. I had a great time at Wibbenau. Um and, and Northwood was uh, Colin Payne, but and Northwood's pitch at that level was like a carpet. I think I had a pre-season. Uh, I think one of my trial games was against I think it was against Northwood as well. Oh, I was playing them a few times pre-season. Yeah, that was all right. But now when I got called back and you that Dan, you're in the squad for Stockport, I was like, wow. Granddad, dad, mum, cousins were all there. And I was like, sweet. This is every guy on the bench. And I think my, my girlfriend, who is my wife now, she was there with her dad. And I kept seeing him warm up. Oh, it's coming on, it's coming on. I was like, no. And then I, I can't remember, I think I got 10 minutes at the end. And I remember playing lovely one-two with Birchie and, and Max Porter. <laughs> I think Max passed it out. I was, like, I was definitely in there. And then, 
And this is what we were saying earlier about like games that I play. Mm. Like Stockport at home, come on 10 minutes. I've set Cliff Ackerang up for, for the winner. I've, I've, I've set it up. And I'm kissing the badge. I'm like, <laughs> this is my moment. This is my moment. I've like, I fucking live for this. So like, I've just set a goal up. We've won the game. We've got three points in the bag. We're playing at Underwood at home. This is it's a beautiful day. And when the century kit, I was like, I'm, I've, Mum, I've made it. Like literally that. I've yeah. made it. I'm, yeah. I'm here. And literally that. And I think that goal. I remember punching like, fucking grabbing around the end, saying, "What's a ball? That is well done." Yeah. I was like, "Fuck it, this is what a day." And I remember going home and just, just sitting on the sofa with Mum, thinking, it, "What have I just done?" It felt like from the, from a support point of view, you've come on. That day was Bratzelli's last game for Barnet. Yeah, as well. Yeah. So it was almost like a sort of. Maybe we've changed in the guard that we've had, yeah. like, you know, Bratz is a relative, not because local as yourself, but he's a North yeah. London boy. That hero is gone, is the next one coming through. And, and you know, I, I remember that, that yeah. noise and that hype at the time, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think was that game, I think that game was on my birthday, on my 90th birthday. Was it? If, it, if, it, if you check it, if it is the 26th of April, definitely. 26th of April, yeah. It was, it was my birthday because I went up to Paul and said, uh, Gaffer, thank you for the best birthday present. I'm a red. Yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. fucking like ten minutes. It's all, like you gave me ten minutes playing for Barnet. I was like beside myself. Like, I'm a Barnet fan. I've got the Barnet shirt. I've got the kit on. I've just set, I've just assisted Cliff Ackerman for the winner. I'm a Barnet fan. Like, I'll, I'll check out now. I'm done. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, literally, it was. It was to, at that point. It was the best day. What's Big Cliff like? Great target man. Lovely guy. He he could score a goal anywhere in the box, and that. But that's why I like literally. I said to Cliff like. I'm taking one touch and I'm delivering. You see, I always think, and I, I said this to you before, and I said it a bit earlier on here. I think your crossing was as I, so. I'll be honest with you. I always thought that, uh, like in that Brentford game, you were 18 years old, and and it always looks a little bit smaller than some of the other players there. And I yeah. think you've got to be that, but like Joe Tabiri, yeah. a smaller player has got to prove they're a bit stronger. But from a dead ball situation or from a, from a crossing point of view. I can't think of many Barnet players that could do that. And did you did you did you feel that as a strength? And, and, and was that something that you look you were better than other people? Oh yeah, definitely. I knew. I'm, I remember. I remember being training. Hendo saying, "Right, we need to do a demo. Heart, you're up. Do a demo. Drill it. Drill it across twenty yards across the grass. Do a, a, a grass cut." So he used to use me as a as a demo for sometimes and that. But it wasn't it wasn't a natural thing. I worked at that. I like, was me and me and my cousin Lee. Like Lee was left footed, and I was right. We, was, we were both really good at football. We'd go over King George, which is the next yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd be, I'd be, there would be a goal and we'd be aiming for the top corners, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, pair of us. And behind us is Underhill Stadium. So that was like like a little bit of motivation. Like yeah, that's yeah. the level I want to get to. As a carrot there. Like, yeah, there's yeah. my carrot right next to me. Yeah. Me, we'd stay there till dark. And then mum's like, where, where have you been? Oh, me and Lee went over the field practicing. I feel like you're a pioneer because you were actually playing at South Underhill before it, it never happened, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, so uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was um, so so you, I think you played ten times at Barnet, but but you played a lot of friendlies and things like that. There's yeah. some big big clubs you would uh, would have played against. I think did you play Arsenal as well. You... Yeah, so I played Arsenal twice for Bournemouth, and then I played a couple of times as well for for Barnet. And I remember I remember Adoma getting injured in the warm up, and <laughs> or or he turned up injured or whatever it was. I remember I remember Hendo pulling me to one side and said, "What's time?" What? You said starting. I was like, this is when, like, because um, all they did was it's 45 minutes first, yeah, 45 yeah, yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. second lot. So I've gone out there and then I've got Sylvester marking. <laughs> and I'm like, I tried to nutmeg him. I got caught. I got caught. I do about 40 yards sprint backwards. But I literally, and I remember, this is what, like, going back to another opportunity that they've given me. I, I think I was the only player that game for 90 minutes. Yeah. And I got an assist that game from a dead ball situation of, of swinging it in for Ishmael. 
So and I was like, this is, and then I just that was a great. I remember that run up up uphill chasing Walcott. <laughs> literally, I'm thinking, oh, this guy's rapid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I and I was quick back then, but he was that was a different level. Um, but yeah, the Arsenal was a uh, was a great day. Yeah. Who, who, who have you played against? Like of those, like who's the, who have you played against? For Arsenal, awesome. like who were those? So so as in, like, I had Sylvester. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. There was uh, Giroud. There was Vermaelen. Um, Kalishi was there. Torre, Wilshere. Um, <laughs> who else was there? It was literally the, the whole wasn't it? Oh, a, few, a few youngsters that were coming through as well. Um, you know, had something probably like Gibbs or someone would have been there, like coming through. Yeah, probably, uh, um, yeah. I remember playing against Perez at Bournemouth and, and Reyes. And what was more exciting, right? Genuine. What was more exciting, playing against Arsenal or, or, or any of those kind of teams you'd play in a friendly? Or signing pro with Barnet and being part of that and doing the training with all those players. I mean, that was the package that came with it, but it meant more doing the Barnet stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, the so Arsenal Stockport at home, Stockport at home, Stockport at home. It's, yeah. a, it's an official game. Like, you're playing for your dream club. It's not, it's not just there's friendly. points in it. Yeah, there's points in it. It's worth something. It's a responsibility, not just about pre-season, yeah. get your fitness and get people through the through the games. Yeah. Like, for, for like, it's like a like for the for the tickets and everything and um no and it if it was Barnet official that's where it meant that's where it mattered when it was Arsenal I mean it's Arsenal with like sunny day pre-season friendly all about fitness um how much minutes can you get in the bank and do you feel like that as well because it's another interesting one for me is that like as a fan and exactly as you said it's about getting people in the gate to watch yeah. Arsenal as a player are you thinking it's Arsenal or are you thinking I'm still about first game of the season get my get get everything right for that um, a bit of both, like, it's, like there's, there's like a probably a, um, that's a sellout. So you've got, I don't know, I mean, Barnet, five, six, five, six, probably four hours. Um, I'm thinking, yeah, you've got one one side first game of the season, pre season. I'm, yeah, I'm just at the moment, it's like, playing <laughs> against Arsenal here. You've got to appreciate it, but then at the same time, you've got your first game of the season. I want to be, I want to be fit and I'll be ready and I want to be knocking on Gaffer's door saying, Get me involved and that. So you want to put on a good show, but yeah, but I, I enjoy the Arsenal games. But I'm not I'm, one to acknowledge it generally. But I know you're a Spurs fan, so yeah. you, you have attempted to put one on anyone. <laughs> no, no, no. As, as, um, no, definitely not. Because like all my, so it's weird. Like split down the middle. Like my dad's Spurs. Like my cousins are Arsenal. So mm. I mean, they were they were all at the game and everything like that. But no, it's just it's if you're in that professional game. And like, I'm, I'm playing against Sylvester. The guy's just won, <laughs> he's won countless Premier League titles. He won the Champions League. <laughs> like, I, just, I don't want to touch him because I don't want to hurt him. And you had him in your pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, like I say, I don't know, I've won this since that game and I played 90 minutes and drew two swoops. So I was like, oh, that's a good day's work. So, yeah. But no, not literally now. As a Spurs fan, it was professional environment. Just in like, respect to him, not too much respect. And you just <laughs> take the game to them and see how you are. Yeah, it was good. That was a good day that was. Not to, not to jump around the timeline too much, but, um, you know, just talking about your experience with the club, um, you know, the following season after your first one, um, again, not to make this about me, but that was my second spell at the club. <laughs> <laughs> but you were, um, I remember, again, uh, getting the kit unveiling and taking photos of you in the new kit. Uh, yeah. That, that was that, it was the black one with the, the um, amber arm, yeah. wasn't it? Um, was it, but from a footballing perspective, obviously you've spoken a little bit about your frustration at some points, like your shirt's not there. Was there an expectation that second season, you know, after a few, few good loan spells that you spoke about, that you know you'd be a little bit more involved in the first team that second season? 
Yeah, definitely. I was I was expecting that. I was I've done a year in and out. I, I finished the the season on a high. Like I've come on. I can. I've so if you compare Brentford to Stockport, you could probably see a, a massive difference in from start of season to the end. So I think all right, next season, just be in contention. Let's definitely be in the squad a lot more. So then when it started to, and I think that's when Albert came in and you'd see how quality he was and it started. So you think first month, right, we'll see how we get on. And then next month, next month, next month, I think, oh, I'm not really involved here. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> so that's what more frustration started building up then inside. But I'm still, like, I'm still, he's still a Barnet player. I'm still living the dream. But I, but remember, I had a two-year contract. I've done one now in my last year, potentially. So I was like, I'd ask a few more questions. So... There's one game in that run at, at the start of that season I really want to talk about, um, which was Chester City away. And I was at this, so I remember, uh, I, I think I was still I was still working at the club at the time, but I remember being incredibly angry at a 5-1 yeah. defeat. Um, and I don't know if you, well, you might remember this, but I remember Paul Fairclough at the end of that game marched all those players over to the away supporters, uh, how many of us there were, 80 or 90 of us, and uh, and uh, just basically made, made the players stand there and listen to the supporters' opinions of that game. Do, do you remember that? And just yeah. remember thinking that, would I rather be on this side of the pitch or <laughs> on the other side of the pitch at this point in time? Um, I remember that game, and I remember on the way there, Hendo texted me and said, you started. So I was like, going from... Chilling on the back of the bus, <laughs> headphones in. I'm going to be on the bench. Oh, am I going to be on the bench? I'm going to be starting. Oh, shit. Let's better get the game on now. And, um, so, yeah, we went in. I remember that. Oh, I think I played about 60 minutes, maybe. And then got dragged. And it was a boiling hot day. I remember smashing someone at like, the end of the first half. And then got in, got dragged. And I remember at the end sitting there. But the thing is, in the day, I'm a Barnet fan. So you've got, you, you guys have got someone standing there in a kit and shirt and I'm, I'm your frustration my frustration in myself and in the team and the team had the frustration as well and it was only fair that we hear like, finally it was like a, a family club yeah. so it was all as one it was if like we listened to the fans it weren't about us just going straight down the dugout like, you know the people who were giving it yeah, to you probably like I know half of them are my mates in the crowd <laughs> calling me <laughs> I'm going to get more of it when I get back in the puddles that later yeah. on so, but, but no no it was it, as a Barnet fan no I was like, yeah, I want to listen to you. you you've travelled up to Chester in your own time. Like, just tell me what you're thinking. Like, it's, it's all part of it. And I wanted to make the most of it because tomorrow I could be let go. So I was trying to enjoy every moment, good or bad. So, and I remember standing there in a line, boiling hot and just getting absolutely questioned by everyone. And I was like, right, we'll deal with it. Let's, let's, let's go with it. And again, we're jumping around a bit. And it's a personal question and I'm not asking for specifics, but you talked about... You, you had a lot. You didn't. You didn't play lots of games. You had a lot of time at the club. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think when players sign professional, they they've got big contracts. They've got a, a great way of life. All that kind of stuff. Now, look, absolutely not talking about specifics. But yeah, were you comfortable? with like financially. Were you were you looked after well, or did, was was there also a bit in the back of your head? I'm not playing games, and actually, this is like a tough way of living. And stuff. Um, to be honest, I was on. Not the greatest, but I, as an 18-year-old, it weren't bad, you know. It was... Um, yeah, I am still. Yeah, so I'm still living on the estate, and I used to walk to the games. Like, if I had yeah, my yeah. car, I'd walk to the games, and there'd be fans, like, people I knew probably going, playing today, I'm like, I don't know, see when I get in the So you weren't struggling, like, it wasn't... No, nah, I was living at home, paying my rent, and now I had enough to go to ballroom and that. <laughs> 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 
So literally, I was happy. Like, uh, we got free boots for the PFA, and that not ones that I probably wore. And uh, I used to buy some boots off eBay, like some old Nike yeah, yeah. classics and vapors. And I had friends that worked in like sports soccer that used to give me their staff discount. Um, no, I wasn't. I literally on the contract I was on, it was it was minimal, but you could have paid me a lot less. And I'm like, I'm playing for Barnet, mate. I'm living my dream. Well, there's another question as well, like about so you say about the the, the boots, the PFA or whatever. Yeah. What what are the things about being a professional footballer that your average person doesn't know about? Like, what are those, like, like the fact that you might have those boots kind of deal, that goalkeepers get gloves, whatever. So at that level back then, yeah, you'd get, I remember being like, one year it was an Adidas box, I think it was the F50 boots, it was blue, red and, and yellow maybe. But I didn't wear Adidas. So I said, like, <laughs> so I went back to like, not so, wearing them. So like my cousin, <laughs> Lee was still playing, and the other cousin and mate said, look, take them, I'm not going to use them. I, I was on like a knife guy, so I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the keepers would get gloves back then. I don't know, how much they would get they get one for the season or what um, but like not, not like today it's like, so. did you get like act, like access to anything like the PFA awards for example things so, like that so the PFA you're so I'm even though I'm not playing anymore I'm still covered by the PFA okay so you're it's like a it's like a life thing so if you need to go so I used um, the PFA to help me with my coaching badges okay the middle there and, um, there's college courses things I know people have done like hairdressing Plumbing, electrician, when they finish, they've used that. So PFA is there for life. So PFA is wicked. And I probably, I probably should use it more, but I don't know. I use it for my coaching. So yeah, probably, yeah. But nowadays, they probably get a lot more, I reckon. And we used to use the, uh, what's the gym in Potter's Bar? First, 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 no, not that one. It was yeah. in the you, you, you're, you're talking about the one that's opposite the Admiral Bing, aren't you? The, the pure, is it pure? Is it a pure? Uh, not back then, not back then. I know, I know what you're, I know exactly, I, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly. So we used to go there like after training for free. And that, yeah, okay. and that, so that was, that was a good, but back then it was, that was, it wasn't all about like, social media and, and then like yeah. wearing all these sponsors and everything. It was literally just grafting. So all of us were in the gym back then. Tell me you weren't a regular in the Bing. No, I've never been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny you say that, obviously, like, in terms of, as someone who everyone knows as a local boy, your perception in the community, if you like, was, was yeah. big. And and, and uh, I remember, like we said at the start, you and I are the same sort of age, like, yeah. got mutual friends of people, and, and, and almost at times comparing myself. You know, this guy's playing for Barnet. Yeah. I'm getting pissed in the Queens on a Sunday night doing karaoke. <laughs> Where's it all gone wrong for me? Where's it all gone right for him? Um, but uh, like, did you feel a bit of pressure as, as a local lad? Like, and because that start of that season, I know that maybe it tailed off, but you're involved in a few squads. And so you start the chest yeah. again, you came on the bench a few times. Like, did you feel that that weight, or was so, it was it all exciting? To be honest, no, I didn't feel no pressure. And like, I'm a bite lad. It's more so like. I'm a fan, I want to make people proud. Like, I want to make my family proud. We're all from Barnet. My granddad's been in Barnet since the 50s. Like, we are all from Barnet. We're Barnet fans. I was literally enjoying every moment, trying to make, trying to literally be like, anyone can make it. I'm, I'm, I, live on, I live on a council estate that everyone everyone puts down, but they don't know it and how like, there's lovely people on there. And now, so, to be honest, now I love working like, with Janet Matheson in the community. I did a few bits in the community. Um, only last week that I tracked down my the blue and white striped shirt that mm. Hart State Agents sponsored. And I had uh, John Antonio on Facebook and I said, I remember you sponsored that shirt with your company, with your state agents. Do you know what happened to that shirt? And he had it. So like he and I, he used my name in the community as well. 
Do we want to put a quick shout out about shirts you're looking for? Because oh, you've got a little boy now. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say very welcome to put that out there. Yeah, literally. So now I have a, a young son, uh, free. Um, I'm looking for basically all my shirts just so I can show him. And that's just so like what his dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I need literally that the thing we wore at Chester, the white yeah, shirt. 809 white, white, white one. 17 on the back, yeah. is that right? Yeah. And the, the orange one, the Mortgage Express. So 0910 home kit. Yeah, orange one. So yeah. anyone that's got one of uh, Danny's shirt, yeah. I'll get in touch because uh, we need to uh, reunite him with his shirt. <laughs> I will literally pay for that. Oh, let's not rush. <laughs> <laughs> pay for them shirts. No, literally, literally is to literally put in my house. Um, for my son, when he grows up, you can see that. Paul Fairclough, Ian, Ian Hendon, captains Barnet to win the league. Yeah. Paul Fairclough manages Barnet to win the league. Paul Fairclough has won the conference twice. These are people that, and they became very Barnet people. Yeah. There was a big change in that yeah. moment, uh, in that second two years. Do you reckon that's part of it as well? You felt the culture of the club change at that point? Maybe. We, we left, like, I love train, uh, training at the uh, cricket club. I love training at Queenswood. That was, that was my first yeah, two yeah. years. And then when we went over to Edgware to start training, yeah, yeah, he did feel the culture change a little bit. So I was thinking about it. I know Henning was there for a little bit, and um, uh, yeah. So the last season definitely felt a little bit better, just because I've, excuse me, like a little bit of, like I've got to the age of growing up and like asking a lot more, knocking on the door, asking questions and that. And I was, yeah, just like, like I've kind of like, it's it started the, the fallout of football. Like I've, I've given everything for this club. And new guys coming in and not really giving me that opportunity yeah. as much as I wanted to. I think I'll just go go out and I deserve a little bit more now. Um, so yeah, so but then like Mick Stimson, I came at Swansea. I remember enjoying that. I know we lost, but I enjoyed that. And I was that was a great crowd that that game as well. Played, I think I think you put me on against Millwall. <laughs> so, <laughs> do it again. No, go on, go on, yeah, keep yeah, going. Um, so yeah, so it just yeah, it got to the point, and then but like with Hendon, Hendon was my favourite. Uh, Craig, I think you make a good point there about um, you know Mark Stimson perhaps not being as much of a Barnet person as Paul Fairclough was and Ian Hendon was. Um, obviously, Paul Fairclough leaves during your second season at the club and then Ian Hendon, who you've played with, yeah. has then become the manager. Um, chalk and cheese approach in terms of management and everything, but you know, what was Ian Hendon like to work for compared to Paul Fairclough? Um, Paul Fairclough was was a lovely man. Like he gave me my first deal. So I so I idolised him. And um and he was he was he was like he'll put your arm around you. Whereas what I love with Hendon, Hendon got the best I played my best football final under Hendon. Just because he would he was straight and narrow. He would tell me how it is. Dan you're doing well. Dan you're doing crap. That was it. And that's and that worked for me. And he he would he would, he gave me so much confidence. I remember playing at Ebsley. He was like play how you train. So I was like, yeah, well, I think I've scored a free kick that game. And yeah, Hendon just gave me so much confidence. Whereas Fairclough just gave me gave me the deal and gave me my opportunity. So I'm forever grateful and thankful for Paul Fairclough for what he did to me. So yeah, so it was that. But I mean, like I said, when Stimson came in, he he wasn't a Barnet man where he, he might not have known my story. Like whereas Hendon and Fairclough did, I knew I lived down the road. Yeah, and Fairclough so, left, obviously we're jumping around a bit here, but he left what late 08, so we're one and a half years into that contract. Was there that worry from you? Like, shit, the guy who signed me and shown faith in me is gone, or, or, or did you have that because you thought Hendon might come in? Um, well, I think because Hendon was there when I signed, so he knew he knew everything about me, and then Hendon was the one who gave me my second, my two year option. So I didn't know I was oh, okay, that's my four years up, so now I need to start pressing. 
the next lot coming in. So when I asked Simpson, said, like, what's the plan? He said, not, not, probably not. He's probably his mate, not a lot. I was like, right, let's go. So I need to go and have, be in the shop window. So hopefully whoever got a loan on, maybe they will take me. But what I kind of should have done is that, because I, I can't remember where I went on loan with Simpson. They're probably Farrakh or maybe somewhere else. Has he been at Thurrock or did he go to Thurrock? I remember saying that on the news that he went to Thurrock. Maybe I should have went higher because I think, yeah. think Thurrock was Conference South should have gone to Conference yeah. back then when I was still playing. That's probably one one thing I should change if I could do it again. But if, if you're talking about your playing, you're playing with Barnett as well and under Ian Hendon. Yeah. Um, there's a game we can't not talk about and a confession from the three of us, I think, definitely from myself, I think from Craig, well, I'm not sure from James, it was Port Vale at home. Yeah. Last home game of the season. Was it last, yeah. season or last home game? I think maybe last home. I feel like we had one more game after. Yeah, I think but, so. But it, was, it was one of those situations where we were kind of not going down, not going up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, know, I remember Abu Gogu on loan. Yeah. Got sent off. Have all it on the line. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we're 2 0 down, game's kind of done. Hands up, nice sunny day. We've all left and gone to the pub and sat outside, <laughs> of, sat, sat, sat outside of the beer. Yeah, heard a kind of bar party. Yeah. Do you remember watching the Football League show the next morning where it was in those times? A, a, an amazing body with your, your one golf violet. So I've got to be honest, the three of us didn't see it live. That's fine. I remember the highlights being really yeah. good. Tell us about what it was like to score an absolutely unbelievable goal at Underhill. I'll tell you where I first saw that in the Football League was at Magloof. So that was in pre like, and the season had ended, and that, my way, was, yeah, season had ended. And I remember standing at the bar, Magloof, looking at the screen behind the bar, and it was the goals of the week or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and it kept going for League One. I was like, I was with my mate, it's like, oh, hold on, hold on, have a look at this. That's me, look at this. I remember that being in Magaloo from the scene on the screen. Because, yeah, you're not going to play your own trumpet. I remember the goal, it's like, it's come across. Yeah. And it, it's a 25 at least yard volley, top in. But like, it's just, might not have meant much, but it's a fucking great goal. I, it might not have meant much in terms of the season, but it meant everything to me. Of course. Me. It meant I've just scored a goal, Barnet, in League Two. But not just any goal. Is it, is it, yeah, not just any goal. No, I'm going to take that away from you. No, it was literally. And this, this is this is probably the Hendon effect on me. Like he literally gave me that much confidence. Yeah. And that. He used me for demos and everything. And then I remember Nicola, uh, he crossed it in. I think it was an outswinger. And the guy who scored the penalty, I think his name Danny something. Glover, maybe? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. He, I remember him and so, I remember maybe Michael Lee went up in the head. He just dropped to me. I thought I was mighty for me. I was going to hear. And I literally outside, not that laces outside the foot, and it just curled in top bins. And I remember, I think Max Porter had a shot and the keeper made a wonderful save. Like, he was on a clean sheet. He could probably get a bonus for his clean sheet. <laughs> and I was literally, you see, you see in the video, you see his face, like, I was fuming. But I don't think I've hit a ball sweeter than that. And it, just, it hit literally stanch. And I literally remember, I, I, looking back at it, I should have done so much other stuff. I could have, my, whole, my whole family were there that day because I knew I was starting. They were all in the uh, family end, right next to me. I should have yeah, jumped yeah. in there. Yeah, because family sounds right yeah. there. Yeah. I should have went to the, to the, Die-hard fan, <laughs> yeah. the other side. I just didn't know what to do, so I'm just sprinting back. Did you certainly? Because say like, that's the thing with two 0 down. So. Yeah, two 0 down. So I didn't know what to do, but it meant everything. To right out. Do you, yeah. you wish you just gone like, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember pointing to my dad and my granddad in the in the in the main stand, and uh, and then, um, and then I was running back, sprinting back. Literally, my calves were cramped. <laughs> that was a hot day. I was I was shattered. And, um, I remember pointing to the Barnet Faithful further side. I remember, I'm, I've got that picture at home, like pointing at um, But no, that, that goal was, yeah, it's literally like, and when, when my son grows up, I can't wait to show him. But when I finished that, I went to the Durham suite 
mum went up to me and said, oh, did you hear what they were singing about it? And I was like, no, what was going on? She goes, oh, they were singing like you only live around the corner. <laughs> I didn't hear a word of that, literally didn't. But What's that? You only live around yeah, the corner. Literally, like, literally, to this day, if I walk in the pub, my cousins are there, all of them, they'll literally start trying that song. To, to this day, literally, I've got to like, literally walk back out or say, like, come on, let's calm down. But literally, but before that, I remember, I remember, because we were playing up the hill, and I remember buying a bakery, like, just sort of singing my name. And literally, you don't realise that, the buzz that gave me. As a Barnet fan, yeah, yeah. I, was, I remember giving him a thumbs up while I was running in, probably by Neil Shaham. I was like, oh, <laughs> singing my name, was that something else? I never dreamed of that. And then, um, the other thing was the uh, goal of the season that got cut off the week before. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, my goal missed out, and my granddad was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the awards have probably been with that's Maybank holiday weekend. Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling. Because I was at uni at the time and I came down for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. That was a Saturday. I came down purposely to Saturday. The Sunday night after that was the awards and yeah. the Monday's my holiday. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it wouldn't have been in the running for that. No, no, I remember, I remember it being in the, in the dance. Ashley Carew, what, see, I told you it was a fucking name. Oh, that's the first Ashley season. Ashley won the goal of the season for, for the Chesterfield. Like, he lobbed him from, like, the by blues, accident. The, the, the long cross. It was like yeah, a free yeah, kick, yeah. first game of the season in yeah. our own half. And he's, he's, he's put a long ball and their keeper's come so too far. Yeah. You were robbed. Yeah. <laughs> so granddad was absolutely fuming. Like, well, Justifiably so. Well, do you know what should have happened there, actually? You know, you should have recognised that there was about a minute or so to go. You should have, rather than celebrating with your family and everything, you should have gone and got the ball, put it on the halfway line and realised there was a point still to be up, up for grabs <laughs> at the end of the season, you know, in that, in that point. <laughs> you know, the actual realism, the, the realism of the situation is, I think, you could probably speak for all of us, is that you would just completely, your head would just go into a spin at that point. You yeah. wouldn't realise what the hell was going on, right? 100%. But then the kick, we kicked off and then, um, yeah, literally back on the game. So, I, I, Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really, in all seriousness, speak for what that feeling must have been like. I mean, if, if, just to imagine scoring at Underhill in, a, in an actual proper game, yeah, I mean, I'd have I'd have been knee sliding in front of the East Terrace like as if I just won the World Cup. For, uh, but that, that for was what it was like for my moment. It was my moment. It was like literally, I, I can't even describe it. It was literally like at the time it was like the happiest day of my life. Like, I've literally just achieved my absolute dream. Like my, especially with my granddad. Like he like, he saw me do that. It was like literally it all looked like he was driving around the country playing football. We took me to every game. He'd always ask me how I'm getting on a training with like with Barnet and that. And then for him to see me start a game, score a goal. Uh, and even though, yes, we lost the game, but it was like, kind of like, we weren't going up, we weren't going down. Um, yeah, it was literally... Do you know, it's, it's quite special to hear someone talk about this in the way you are, because like, you know, I, I listen to other podcasts, like your profile than ourselves, or, you know, you think yeah. about the people we've spoken to on here, and, and as a Barnet fan, you, you kind of accept players are going to move on, they're going to do well, they're going to, you know, and you, and you want them, people like Albert Doma, we love yeah, seeing yeah. them do well. But yeah, yeah. to hear someone speak with such like passion and enthusiasm, like joy about playing for Barney. And, and you know, what you said earlier about you'd have signed a lifetime contract there. Like, yeah. you're probably the only person who's played for Barney who'd say that. <laughs> um, which, it, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I, was, I feel like. I was going to ask about that as well. So, Mauro is like the only other person I can think of that's kind of comparable in that moment. What was your relationship with him like? Um, to be fair, we went to, I think we went to the same school. He, he's obviously a, a quite a bit uh, younger than me. Um, about then, yeah, we, no, we got on. We, we grew up from the same estate and everything. Like that, so we bounced off each other. Um, I think Fairclough, when he when Mara got his chance and Fairclough was in charge and Fairclough really liked him, 
Um, yeah, and he and he and he and he took it with, with both hands, and he and he had a great career at Barnet. Um, actually, and I see him last week, and both our sons were playing in the parks together. We still live like local. We talk about what he's doing now, and because I'm a bit more seasoned than him, we like talked to him, like not not advice, but like we yeah. talk, we bounce with each other. Um, but no, he was he was he's wicked, he's a great lad, and he's he's got he's got abundance of pace and skill. And then I'm just and I wish married the best enough. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you was um I I genuinely find it really interesting that whole kind of uh, that boring wood Barnet boyhood dream stuff and like where that goes. But there is a moment in this that sours a bit for you and that and, that, and two things happen here at this point. One uh, you don't play much more Barnet, but also your love for football starts to wane a bit. And I'm interested in that term because that, that's a bit that I think, again, supporters find the maybe the personal side of this stuff yeah. quite hard to, to, to understand. And it's interesting to know when that starts. It's it's when you're you're giving absolutely everything for the badge. And that was my, I was playing for the badge. I was playing for the club. I was playing for the fans because half the fans were football and mates. Yeah. And, uh, and then like half the fans were, when I'm walking... Like I used to go to my nan's for a scrambled egg before game day, like pretty much meal. And I'd walk through, because Nan used to live um, like a bit of traffic lights were on Barnet Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd walk through there and, and there'd be Barnet fans walking and that. And it was it was for them. And then I'm I'm at training literally like just absolutely just doing what I can, just to be involved, not starting, just be involved. And then when you get a pat on the back, say, you dad, you're doing well, Dan, you're doing well, Dan, just carry on. But I've had that for two years, and it's got to a point where like I've, that that really pushed me to grow up by like, knocking on doors saying, "Look, you say I'm doing well, but why am I not getting involved?" Yeah. And then it was like it was like half answers, and I was like, oh, "I'll just send me out alone. He's not going to play. Send me out alone." And I just I just got to a point where I'm just falling out of this now, and uh, and it, it got to the end. And I remember like, Fairclough he gave me the the first contract, gave me the dream contract, and that, and then fair, and I and I was quite happy that it was Fairclough that was at the end of my of my time because he gave me it and I was because I, I got so much respect for Paul and and he said like oh, there's no plans for it at the moment anymore then so I was like oh sweet that's fine I've said I'm I'm I've I'm literally have grown up so much here I've enjoyed my time let me talk to the chairman who like I've got six months left on my contract just pay me up and I'll go but looking back on it should I have done that I don't know should I have just seen out my six months Maybe going out alone said to get me to a, get me help me either help me get me to a conference team, or or just take the payment and go. Which and I took the payment and I went, and then um, yeah I went to America and just did a little bit out there, not for very long, and then I came back and I just had no interest in playing football. And then that's when uh, David Howes and Ken Charlie gave me a call. To come you, see, you see, like when you go out on loan and that, yeah, uh, especially because you went out on loan a few times, yeah, new bunch of lads every time, new. New fans, new area, new new training, new managers, all this yeah. stuff. What's that? It's a good level, right? It's a good yeah. level of football. Right? It's a level that most people would like to play at. But yeah. do you still feel buzzed about that, or is it like, oh, I should be? I did, and I did, and I wherever I went, I, I played with everything I had. But it, it, it was different at Bayern. It's where I wanted to be. It was my club. It was I grew up watching this club, and it's where I literally I just wanted to be at Barnet, like playing in front of. I don't know, sometimes it was maybe 1,500 fans at Barnet or 3,000 fans at Barnet. That was an absolute buzz for me. And because I pretty much knew everyone, because we were <laughs> either in a Durham suite or we'd be around the, around the club with the see people, or even in Barnet, I'd be walking around on a Maze Lane or, or around the Queens or the Weavers. And you'd bump into people and they'd all ask questions. And I'd always talk to everyone. But when you go out alone, it was right, 
let's have a good four weeks, let's get some game time, go back, and then we'll ask more questions. But what I, because where I went on loan to like semi pro team, yeah, it was trained Tuesday night, Thursday night game on Saturday, so Monday and Friday I'd train at Barnetsville. Yeah, and then sometimes when it got towards the end, I thought, oh, I'm looking at it. Yeah, what's that like? What's what's that kind of feeling of? I can't. I don't know. Like, I I work in education, and and so in schools, you you have kids who go out and do group work. Yeah, which you know with like a different teacher or whatever, and they sometimes resent that uh, because they're taken away from the main group. Okay, I'm just thinking how I can relate to my own experience. Like for you, you say you're doing like Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. wherever yeah what's that like going back in Monday Friday knowing you're you're still employed by the club but not maybe in fully part I don't know sometimes it was a bit disheartening and that, that you, you get down about it yeah but I think it, I only got down about it because it was Barnet and it was it was where I wanted to be it was like I love this club and I want to be here 24-7 if I could and that but it was yeah, it was disheartening getting sent out like towards the end I was like these people don't realise I used to watch this club as a child. Like, this club is in my, like, my blood. Like, my family's from it. So, yeah, and like, these lads are like, all this, all this, like, when it changed that culture, it was like, you, this doesn't really mean much to you, but it means everything to me. So, yeah, it was disheartening going out towards the end. I was like, I'm getting a bit fed up. And that, and just, yeah, yeah, got a bit disheartening, to be honest. Uh, all right, okay. Um, you talked a little bit about um, falling about falling out of love with the game a little bit in that in that spell, but you you, you played your last game for the club at, at Swansea. Um, you know, I, I guess did you know at that point that things were were coming to a close, or, or or was it was it you know you were still hoping to be involved in the club at that point? Um, to be honest, no. Because if you when I got on against Swansea, um, and I think you, he's given you an opportunity. I think I'm I'm probably. Well, he's used me, so maybe he'll be using me again. So, no, to be honest, not, not then. I didn't think that would be the end. But I remember having the conversation. I think, when did, when did Stimson get sacked after that? Uh, it wasn't long. Yeah. So it when, when, when was the Swansea game? What month was August, that? August. August. Start. So, yeah, so, no, so literally, I think he got to about probably then, yeah, then Stimson went, and then Fairclough came in. So, when did he get sacked? New Year's Day. New, New Year's Day. Shot. New Year's Day. Yeah, so I... Yeah, so Fairclough came in. And then when Fairclough came, I think I, I think I left it maybe a week or two, see what he was, what he's, what he, what he shape he'd do or who, who he's using. And then by that time, I think I'm what nearly 22. And literally, I just wow, well enough. Just went up to Fairclough and said, "Let me on your plans." So yeah, but no, but at the Swansea game, no, I definitely didn't think that was the end because I've never wanted to think that at the Barnet. But at the same time, I thought I've literally the last year of Stimson, like it's. It's the culture change. It's not. It's not buying people that we grew up watching. What, what was he like? Because obviously the, the results on the pitch were terrible. Yeah. So he's not. It's not an era that's remembered fondly by Barnet fans. What, what was it like from a player's point of view playing yeah. Max Simpson? To be honest, training was all right. I remember being training, being buzzed and that, and he was wicked and that. But at the same time, when you're not in the in, in the main, when it's not when it's weekend, they're not in the team. Yeah. And that, that's soul destroying. And then uh, went out alone for most of it with him. And that's when I was with him. It was, um, I enjoyed, his, enjoyed talking to him and that. And he was honest with me. He said, I was happy that he went to me like, Dan, you're not my plan. Instead of at, at that age, yeah, and that stage was... of my career, instead of going, oh, you're doing well. I've had that so, so, oh. I don't know if I can swear. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah. And then, <clears throat> but then he went, yeah, no, Dan, you're not my plan. And then that was it. I was, I was like, sweet, send me out. And then he got the sack. And I think that's when I came back because it probably wouldn't have been like a three month contract. Yeah. So I had a loan deal. And then Fairclough was there. And then 
had a chat with Fairclough and Fairclough was using like the youngsters coming, I think Elliot Johnson, yeah, Marrow and all that, and then they were all coming in. And I I felt like I'd be forgotten about like pushing aside. I was just I was like that sweet. And then I chat with him and said, not my plans and that. And I, I think that's when I went on to Tony. So Danny, Paul's so yeah, so you're back, you're back from on loan. Uh Paul's there and you asked Paul and Paul's kind of like you're not part of the plan, which must be like difficult. That isn't just uh that isn't just a moment where you think I'm coming towards the end of my time at Barnet, but as a professional footballer, uh, having that being the highest level you played at, yeah. Is there another thing going on in your head, which is I don't know what comes next. Like having a bit of that moment. Um, what comes next? It was, to be honest, at the time I did care because I'd been so I was so pissed off, yeah. like for the pats on the back saying you're doing well, you're a great player, blah blah, and, and just not getting a run of games, but just being involved in that. And then it was going back to like. It's like I'm I'm one of their own. I'm Barnett's. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm literally a fan, and it was um, yeah, no, it was to be honest. I just at the time I, I think about 21, 22, I was, and looking to like just get out. Yeah, I didn't care what was next. To be honest, I didn't have a plan. To be honest, and then um, after that, yeah, that was it. Really, just get me out now. And you and you went and had the conversation that. I think Stuart Niven also said he had actually, which is that you went to Tony yeah. and had to go and say, "Well, if you, you know, I'm yeah. done, then let's let's sort this out and go." Was that was it? Yeah. Well, like just for my own, like to build the image in my head as well. Where are you having this kind of conversation? Is that a phone call? Or? No, no, it was face to face with Tony. He was in his office and that, and, uh, and Paul knew about it. He said, "Look, there's no plans for Danny. Like either like let him see out his contract or pay him up." And I think I, I think I had the option of. Staying, which because I've got contracts, so I've got the options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all legal and everything. But I think I was so pissed off with lack of opportunities. Like this club meant everything to me, and that, and then like new culture changes, and that. I said like, I called him Mr. Chairman, and that, <laughs> out of respect and everything. They, I just they said, oh, just pay me up. And then they, um, I think Tony had, I can't remember the secretary at the time was said what my current deal was on, and that, and. Um, what was left is, and he gave me a check and off I went. Did you get the full thing? Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah. I, got, I got a good deal and that. Um, and I saved most of it at the, at the time and that and then used a bit to, to travel and that. And then um, I remember coming back. Um, what was that? So that would have been January, February time. I came back pre-season like, at the Cricket Club and I was chatting to like, most of the players there were still there the next season uh, and I chatted with Tony and he said, look, mate, you, you're, you're welcome to come back Anytime you're welcome in the ground at any time. That's great. Yeah. So with with Tony, it was I had um, a good relationship with him. And he knew he knew I was a Barnet lad, and he always treated me fair. And that, and then and then like just a little history one. My auntie won a raffle at some at some school, whatever it was, to have dinner with the Barnet chairman. <laughs> what? That's a mental <laughs> prize. Yeah, to have, to have a free course meal in, in the uh, suite above the Durham suite. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upstairs, upstairs. Yes, Durham suite. Well, it was, yeah, but the bar was kind of like considered Durham suite. Upstairs was like, yeah. I think it was the Durham suite. Yeah, it was, it was, a yeah, suite. It was yeah, like a yeah. course meal. So me and my granddad went out on about 10, 10, 11, having a meal with the chairman. Wow. Yeah. And, that, and then, um, yeah, no, it was... That's why I've got that little history thing with, with Tony. Yeah, yeah. That's quite nice. That, that was, that's oh, quite weird, but it's quite nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some, people, some people would say that's a prize. Some people yeah. would say... Mate, well, a being a Barnet fan, you've got a dinner with a chairman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Simon, <laughs> 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 I 
And then what's the yeah, where's he, where's, where's he taking me? Oh, he's taking me to the Durham Suite. Okay. Right. <laughs> to be fair, mate, my eyes were wide and open. Now. <laughs> it was a brilliant day. Great. Me and my granddad, off we went. We buzzed off doing that when we were about 22, 23. With our <laughs> mate's company sponsoring the match. So, yeah. Can't say anything on that. We were, up, we were up there with John Motson. To be fair, that was quite yeah. cool. He, yeah. he, he was. Did you ever yeah, see him at games? I think I, I did see him a couple of times. I see him at, at Wembley a few times with Spurs and that. That's not cool, yeah. I did. I did want to go up to him and say, "Because I'm working, I thought I can't be sick doing that." But uh, with um, with Tony, that he was treating me fairly, and that, so I've got a lot of respect for Tony. And I, I literally that now I do check the Barnet scores and that, and everything like that. And I, and I am part of the Barnet groups on Facebook and everything because I'm like still am a Barnet fan. Very proactive on liking our posts and Twitter. Oh, always. <laughs> I've followed the podcast for years. But yeah, no, I, I see, I see the fans' frustration in that, especially with the high being where. Obviously, after you left Barnet, you very much played in the local area. You played for clubs like Harrow, St Albans, Wingate. Uh, I think Ware, Potters Bar. Like you know, there's 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 a few clubs in there. Um, you're playing more regularly for those clubs at a, obviously a lower level. Um, did you enjoy your football more there, or was it just you know comparing it to playing the Barnet? Um, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it more, but what I would say is when I left Barnet at the, at the very end, I, I wasn't enjoying football. I, I had no interest in playing anymore, and that's when I went away and I came back, and that's when David Howes and Ken Charlie called me at, um, at Harrow. So I went to Harrow at March, and then we literally from March till May we made we made the playoffs. And that's where um, I think playing there, it, it sparked me. It gave me something more. And I just literally loved playing football again and couldn't wait. And then um, and the season ended. We, did, we, did, we made playoff semifinals with Harrow. Pre-season was approaching. And then uh, Housie got a call. He got the job at St Albans. And he called me up, said, oh, I want to take you over there. And that, and he and uh, yeah, he looked after me at St Albans and with Ken again. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed my football. But then that's when... Uh, so my my partner at the time was um, was my wife. She she her family was moving to Australia. I thought I've got no real commitment. I'm taking a a year out of football. End up staying there for two years in Australia, just not playing football, not doing anything, just traveling the world and that. Just play at all? No, no level there. No, to be fair, I did try and get in contact with Perth Glory because I say yeah, the level. Yeah, I, just, I want to watch a few games. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's not. This is a good level. Like, I can, I think I could cope here, but then the way they're their system set up. It was so hard to get in contact with them. So I kind of just left there. I kind of, like, tried once. I thought, well, it's quite hard. I'm going to carry on travelling. Literally did some volunteering in Thailand and Japan and just went travelling and just enjoyed, just enjoyed my time. I had no commitments anywhere. Like, whereas I've given before where I've not gone out on like, Christmas Eve or anything like that, all my friends and the family, I've stayed at home and professional. Now I've got no commitments. I'm going to enjoy my time. Um, and then came back and then that's when I went to like Wingate, Finchley and Potts Bar. And, uh, and I really enjoyed my time in, in non-league. There's some good players, some very good players. Some uh, I had uh, James Duncan at Potter's Bar. He's probably one of my best coaches I've ever had in my career. Like, and that's at that level. Yeah. So that, so like, that's wonderful coaches in the program. But, but yeah, so it was. I had a great time in non-league. And that, so, but then it got to, I think I got to about 28, and I had my son, and just priorities changed. And that, do I really want to be travelling away on Tuesday night, like to Folks and the Vixen away, or somewhere up north? I was like. Not... Was there a moment where you went, this isn't going to be what I do now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think 
I, I think the, the moment I knew I was going to be a dad and I needed to put like pay rent and put food on the table and things like that, like priorities definitely changed. And I was like, I'm playing football at still decent standards, but I'm getting kicks in the air <laughs> by like these 18 year olds who are chasing their dream, my mid 20s. Um, like I've got way up now. And then I was coaching at Spurs and I was like, I've got a little, a little boy on the way. Something's got to go. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting what you say there because I've always wondered as well, players who drop down especially and, and from whatever level, you know, when you go and play for teams like Wingate and you're playing teams like Harlow Town away and you score, is the buzz the same or do you lose it when there's only like 10 away fans rather than even 100 at Barnet level? To be honest, if you're scoring a goal at any level, for me, it's, it's, it's a buzz regardless. But it's that extra bit special when you're a Barnet fan. So, so yeah, so no, no, if I'm scoring goals in non-league, it's still a buzz for me. I, I still celebrated like I like won the World Cup. But... So if that buzz was there, then why at 28 are you going, I'm done? It's, you know, I, I get obviously the kid and stuff. Yeah, priority, yeah. But... To be fair, I, just, I don't know. I, just, I didn't want to travel. I didn't want to lose my weekend. I'd rather, I'd rather spend time with my little one and that. And then my hips were hurting. And I went to the doctors. I went to the hospital, actually. Had an x-ray on my hips. And my hips were like proper worn. I was getting a constant pain and um and he said to me like you can have an operation but you'll never be as good as you was or if you keep playing you won't be able to walk in 10 15 20 years and I thought I want to show my son that I was after decent football and I want to play around him in the garden and things like that not be a bit selfish and keep playing and then your hips blow out and then you can't walk or be on crutches and that's all Priorities got changed now. It's not about you. It's about it's about your your son now, and, and that was enough for me. And I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I think that was, that was quite fair for me. I was like, yeah, I still enjoy it. So then, then when I was at Barnet and Janet Matthewson said about coming in with the kicks program at Underhill Stadium and the floodlight, I, I did enjoy it, but I, I had no intention of being a football coach. And then when I finished playing, I was like, shit, what am I going to do? And I didn't get a job. I worked in the Arpley at Barnet as a waiter. But I loved it. I had a great team. I buzzed off in. I was still playing St. Albans and everything like that. Two incomes coming in. I was like, I was only more money than I did at Barnet. It was like, <laughs> brilliant. Um, but yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, I was just like, yeah, I'm done. So, so yeah, it was, it's, it just went out the options and then, like, with the coaching, it was, like, this is, this is what you know. You know football. You've done football your whole life. Give something back if you can. So then I literally, PFA, can you help me with my UFB and my all my levels and that and my youth modules? Did all them, smashed them all out with uh, like Jim Hicks and um, what's his name for Marshall Paul? What's his name? Arsenal legend Paul Davis. Paul Davis is he was there, like helps coach with the thing. Um, so did, did all my badges and that. Um, and then after Australia, I came back and I had itchy feet. I thought I can't stay here. I thought I can't play. I'm not doing anything. My best mate, my spouse, my wedding. He said like, go to America, coach. See if you like it. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Whereabouts was that in America? All over. We literally we started in San Francisco, went up to Portland, went up to Seattle, went down to Idaho, through to Vegas, back to LA. Because I, I can't always keep up with the timeline of like yeah. the non-league clubs you play for and the American. So, like, that's a lot. You so that's a lot in 10 years. Literally, I literally I've, when the contract finished, I literally thought, you've sacrificed so much, even from your childhood, you've sacrificed. Go and enjoy it now. So it was finished up on it. Went to Los Angeles to trial for, I think it was, at the time it was LAFC, but they were under a different name, they were like a small club, nothing came of it. Mm. Enjoyed the holiday, came back. Harrow, St. Albans, finished there, went to Australia, came back, potted around with Wingate, 
and then went to America for a year. And then once I came back from America, I said to mum, if I don't get Spurs interview and don't get that job there, then I'm going straight back to America and I come back. Ended up getting the job at Spurs and that's when I started playing for Pods Bottom. So, and then went from there. And then I got to Pods Bar. I had a wonderful time at Pods Bar. Um, and the little one was due. And then we was away like Tuesday night, train on Thursday, and then Saturday you're away again. You've lost your whole weekend. I was like, oh, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like the travelling and that. And the lads were brilliant and that. you're not earning great at that level. I mean, even though you can, but yeah. I wasn't earning great at that level. I was just getting enough really just to put around. I was like, I could use my time elsewhere now. So, Do you remember your last moment on a football pitch where you were being paid to be there? So that would have been at Potter's Bar. So that season at Potter's Bar, would have been, I can't remember the actual last game. But I played some good football at Potter's Bar. I scored a couple of goals, got some assists. That's, um, wicked, probably like my last year, one of my favourite coaches and that. And then as I was coaching at Spurs and earning my trade, I was probably got to that stage of my career. I was like, oh, maybe I can start coaching. So I, I did that at Spurs and I was speaking to JD in, in terms of the men's game and how he does things. And, and I started looking at the game from a different view. Like I think 28, I've, I've done a lot. I've, done, I've played with some wonderful players. I've played in front of thousands of fans. But now it's time to move on, close that chat site. Let's move on. Let's, let's enjoy being a father. Let's enjoy being a coach, travelling the world with them. And then, yeah, there's new priorities came into, into it. Yeah. While still checking my phone to see what the bonus is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll bonnet illusion again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's been the last couple of weeks, to be honest. But at the same time, I think the season's been cancelled, so you can't really be relegated. Right? No, yeah, 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 yeah. So, right, so I'm kind of like, oh, I get all this. Let's start again next year, start fresh. But we were speaking before we come on earlier, and you were saying, you know, in the uh, fire service, yeah, very um, back in Barnet, yeah. So, so literally, when I was at Spurs, I had some very good coaches being let go, and with the baby on the way, I was like, oh, I've got to, like, I can't, I can't really afford to be to be left like with no job. So I was literally be pushed or jumped. So I jumped and uh, applied for the fire service, which was came through a lad at Potts Barn. He he was he was in the brigade. So I applied, didn't think I'd really get because I, I applied for brigade after the final. But it was a, that was 10 years ago, so that was a lot different. Um ended up getting through all the tests, all the um exams and everything. And now I got stationed at Barnet. So if anyone's around, pop into Barnet, come, <laughs> come and see White Watch, and uh, I'll be there. Uh, and before, before we move on to the current day Barnet, are you still playing football? Are you still are you still enjoying it at all? Like any um so the brigade have a team. So, so I um, was planning on playing for them, but then the, the pandemic hit. So I've kind of that's been on hold, but there was a game coming up now when everything start easing off. So I'll, I'll play for the brigade for the first Police time. away, big derby, yeah. <laughs> I think we've got, I'll have to let you know, but now we've got the Marines. We do play the police. <laughs> we do play the police. We do play like TFL and teams like the ambulance and that. So it's a, it's a, it's a different setup, but I'm still ticking over in that. So... You know, you play now, obviously, like Sunday yeah. League, whatever, like mates, as you sort of e-bogs, which lots yeah. of people listening will play for them. Or, yeah. Do you still get a bit of a like, come on, let's, yeah. let's do it for a game, even now? It's something that you never lose. It's, it's, it's if you, it's, it's in me. It's like, literally, I pack my bag, same as I did at the Barnet. I have my pre-match meal, same as I did at Barnet. I get there early. Now, because I'm a lot older, I have a, lot, a longer warm-up than that. I can't just bounce off everyone and, I don't know, it's still a buzz. Like, when, you, when you still saw goals at that level, it's like yeah. it's still, all your mates are there. It's like, and all, half of them mates were at Barnet, so I watch it. So 
So yeah, nice. No, from playing at any level for me, it's still a buzz. And when I do play, so we're about to move on to kind of you know post playing. What's it like being a Barnet fan now? But uh, question that I bet you must have been asked before: Who's the best player you played with? Who's the best player you played against? Seven players. Um, best player. Best player. Probably punching. Punching. Yeah, yeah. I said earlier, punching was the best out of three. Um, he just literally you'd pin the ball at him and it would stick to him like glue. Yeah. You, and the thing is, you knew you, you he could do it on both feet. But you knew he would chop on his left. You yeah. knew it was coming, but you couldn't stop it. And he was so strong. Like literally, he put his arm out. You couldn't get around it. And I remember that the game. I think I just signed and I trained for about a month. And we had Bradford at home. Last oh, minute, free kick. Put oh. a free kick in the top corner. I was like. Wow, what a goal! But I was like, I saw that last week. Anyway, like, yeah, he was yeah. in training. Like he, he was for me. He was unreal. He was natural. He was just technique was brilliant. Where with with uh, say Yannick, Yannick was just pure flair. Like he's just like raw. raw. Yeah, so mm. raw with his stepovers and his pace. Albert, kick it. You're never gonna catch him. And that but with natural talent, I'll say yeah, definitely. Uh, punch him. Best you played played against. Oh, Miguel Silvestre. <laughs> me. She tried to mark me and I'm playing against him and that, but now, but the Arsenal games were good, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think Miguel Silvestre was probably my hardest opponent. Yeah. But like I said, I was literally Premier League winner, Champions League winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it doesn't get me much better than that. And I've got a great picture at home, like jumping for the ball for a head on that I never would have won, but it's just, I've jumped anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> We've gone into loads of depth and we've got other questions over. One more question on the kind of like best, worst of it. In your time at Barnet, who was the biggest character you came across at the club? Could be a player, could be anything. Who's the biggest character of your four years at the club? Biggest character? I mean, I, I, I love our guy, uh, Darnish, mate. He was, <laughs> <laughs> he was brilliant. He was, he was everywhere. Um, in terms of playing, uh, character, character. Um, um, <laughs> to be fair, Nicky, all, all the best stories. No, no, no. Nicky Nicola was a character, mate. <laughs> he was tanning every week. Oh, he had the chat, he had everything. He was a good looking lad. If you ask the question of who's the nicest guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long, with Lee Harrison, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, honestly, like Furlong, I got so much time for the fact that. That he'd had the career he'd had, and he cared still so much. And he, he was brilliant. Yeah, was brilliant he was player, a wonderful person and a wonderful professional. And like for any young player around him, yeah, yeah, yeah. watch him and that. But I think he's coaching at QPR. Last I heard. Okay, so he's still he's still involved. Yeah, that's last I heard. He was still coaching. You know, you've talked about your experience of being a Barnet fan and growing up in the area. You, know, you said you had family in Brent Place, and I don't think there's anybody perhaps other than Henry Strevens, who could have left their home at 2.59 and still been in the ground in time for kickoff. So, you know, it's been a clear picture of your experience as a Barnet fan and then a Barnet player. It's just you know, still unbelievable that, that that's happened. Um, from your perspective, the move away from Underhill to the Hive, I know you talked about being abroad at the time and everything else, but how do you feel still living in the area, not seeing... Underhill, as it was then, it's a school now, and then the, the club plays six miles away across in northwest London somewhere. 
Um, now it's, it's still it's still for me it's like heartbreaking as a fan, and because uh, I'd still drive down to Brent Place to see my auntie, and that uh, and it's and it's now it's a high school, and that uh, and I still look through on the left when I go down by there look, look on the left, that's where you could you could see the goal you used to see the yeah. goal and that was like that's what it was and but at the time playing like you get in a new training grounds which was great and I remember seeing the pitch was all overgrown and it was like Wellstone and. Oh, their old pitch or something and they was like that's where you're going to play that's where they were going to be yeah it? literally and, and, um, and I was like, I, but that was like years away and I, I knew I probably might not have been there but the training ground was like the facilities are unreal and I've been I've been back to Hive maybe once maybe twice um, and I walked in and I was like oh this is not the same like, it didn't give me that buzz and that um, so but, but the thing is that stadium was, it's an unreal stadium it's yeah. got great stands and everything great facilities for training it's not in Barnet for me. It's Borough Barnet, but it's not Barnet. It's not Borough Barnet. It's Harrow. Is it still in Harrow? I thought it was Borough Barnet. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's only just, but it, it's Harrow, not Barnet. Which... Yeah. So for me, at the time, like you, we had a gym in there and, and the train facilities, the change rooms were brilliant. The, the ground was brilliant. But yeah, no, it's uh, like now as, as an older man, it's, uh, it's not. Do you have family that still go, or is it no, uh, is no, it all no. cut off now? It's all no, like the granddad's proper bias, so he's like, no, I'm going, no, no, I'm not going there no more. No, but that's interesting. You, you were saying before, my granddad's been since the fifties. Since so he been for for years, and then when they went to the hive, it was oh, I'm not going anymore. Just cut off, yeah, straight, straight, not not interested. Um, I've met some fans that are not that don't go anymore, which is a shame. And now I've and I've got um, friends that used to on a Saturday used to go out to the Queens for a, or the Weavers for a pint and um, and they'd say what, what do you want to do for the rest of the day and they'd go and watch Barnet at three o'clock a few more pints in there and then, and that's and that was that that was Barnet every, every everyone from the from the town was there and that now is now is not there it's a high school it's, it's it was it was a massive part of the community and I and I knew that as a, as a kid and that, you know like what are you doing like where I lived on Dolly's Valley. Our, our uh, balconies like uh, look towards the Odeon. Do you think that was like aspirational for you? Oh, you see the floodlights. Yeah, and it was like lit up. Like it was literally as a, uh, you see it in cartoons and you see it in films. Kids looking at stadium lights. That was me. I was living yeah. that dream on the top balcony. I could see the floodlights. So yeah, I could hear the crowd for when I was. It's not dramatic, but for kids on that estate now, they haven't got that in. Like, God, do you think that's big? Like, no, massive. I mean, that was massive for me. It was. I literally, I started. I literally would be. I'd, like Saturday night TV or Saturday afternoon TV and it's winter and it's pitch black and you can see the floodlights and then I'd, I'd literally as a as a 10 year old would sit on that fucking balcony and I would you could hear the crowd screaming and I was like that is fucking motivation and I would be like right I'm going for a run I'm playing I'm playing football so I used to I used to play football with the older boys with the teenagers like with, with our, our friends our group and our cousins are all in there and I'd literally like I think like people like, like Ian Smith who's a massive Barnet fan he was yeah. in that group and, and I'd play with him as a he would be about 14 and I'd be about 10, 9. And, and, and then what would kick me around. But that 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 set the foundation of I've, I've got to be better. And I've got to think about you're quicker than me, you're faster than me, you're stronger than me. I've got to, and then they used to still pick me first for like, the teams in when we used to climb the fence at Barnet Hill as uh, on the school. Yeah. So then them lot, that was just like it was like the foundation. So when height when it went when I heard it was going, it was all moving, that was that as any Barney fan, it was heartbreaking. It's, it's funny. It's funny you talk about that actually, because you know, whenever I would have driven down Barnet Lane, ever since the club moved, yeah, ever since ever since the stadium got knocked down, you had that familiarity of 
you know, looking at the back of the south stand, whether it was the green seats that it used to be or when yeah. the stand got, stand got put up. But the point that you made there about when you look through the gap in the houses where the turnstiles were, yeah. you saw the North Terrace and you saw the goal there. When you when that's the, the gap in the houses is still there, but it's a school. And it just looks really weird. Now it is so I've got no reason to go to Barnet anymore, not only because I live in Ireland, but <laughs> I've, I've got no reason to go to Barnet anymore. I never did for the last sort of six or seven years since the club yeah. moved. Like that whole thing about the Weaver, the Queens, or even the old Red Lion, which is was the away fans club, but it's not there anymore. Yeah. That whole area has completely changed as a result of the football club not being there anymore. And some of the experiences you talk about, about growing up around there and here in the stadium and everything else, yeah. it just feels like it just feels like you've taken the soul out of the football, out of the area and just dropped it in an area where it just, just feels completely and, and the one for me, and the, and the bit for me that always gets me is I do the bit of the Westcombe Drive bit. So I, I was a Northwest Terrace uh, guy. Like I was always on the Northwest Terrace with my dad. And uh, and I always have that look to the left. And that bit where that driveway still is, that, that entrance bit still is. And I remember meeting Arsene Wenger there and stuff like that. Like that was a that, that, that was the route through. You could always see that goal. I remember Roy Essendo uh, hitting the crossbar playing for us. He was that guy that had been a big player for Wickham and he's got a big goal. And, Roy's a hit, and we were late for an FA Cup game that he was playing for. Like there's, there's bits through that thing that you feel like you've been hit bits of history. But Anyway, look, we, 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 Ian, me, James, we've, we like, we've, we've talked this thing to death, and I don't want to bore people with it. But what I am interested in, Danny, is what's your, um, what's your, what's your association to the club uh, nowadays? Well, or what's your relationship with it? Maybe. I mean, it still, it still holds a massive part in my heart because I've, I've grown up a bit like you guys, and it's. Um, I used to listen to the crowd, see the floodlights. I, like what James said about the green stand, we used we used to stand in the cricket club and wait for the balls to come over. <laughs> we used to get linked to the football. <laughs> like, like, just get out, jump in the uh, jump in the uh, drawstring bag, and then yeah. 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 that was gone. Yeah. 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 Kicked on like yeah. Yeah. linked to football. We're like brilliant. Um, but that's, it's even though I'm, I have, I've been to the hive once, maybe twice, I've still got it on my phone. I've still got my app set up. As for Barnet to send me the scores in, and that is, and it, and it will always be that way. And that, regardless of that, they've moved, and it is it's heartbreaking that they're at Barnet anymore. And if Underhill's not there anymore, that how many years it was there, players that we've seen, the fans that went to it, it's it's, it's heartbreaking. But and the hive is, for me is not the same. And that and but, but I still check on the Barnet scores no matter what. What do you reckon? Uh, again, there's no definite answer to this. As a Barnet fan, like you said there, yeah, is there a way we can get it back in at least some form or, or like I'm back to Barnet? Is I'm I'm Barnet through and through. I always am, always will be. If if that hive was in Barnet, it would be the best thing for the community ever. Do you mean South Underhill? Like, that was, the, was that, that's what that was it, uh, for me. If it was Unhill, that that would be a dream. Yeah. But if it was in Barnet, Barnet that'd be yeah. great. Just so someone could walk from the Red Lion, walk from the Queens or the Weavers to, to the game, and have a beer, a few more beers with the lads, and that. And that that was that was how it was. But it's it, like I said, like Barnet's Barnet's not the same anymore. As, I mean, when I grew up, anyway, and I've been there thirty-two years. So do you know what I mean. So, so the longer it goes on, as well, where there's no club there, yeah, you're losing a generation. 
Yeah, it's been eight yeah, years now. So I, was, I was going to show you, like, I, now. I took my son to, to, to Underhill before it was ripped down. Like, it's literally the brickwork was going. And I was so close to taking a brick and taking it home. And that's how much fun it meant to me. Not just as a player, as a fan. And that, and like the black and amber and that. And um, yeah, so it's, it was sad when they left. And, um, and I'd love to see, see a Bayern foot club back in mind. Because I'm a fan. I'm not, I'm not a player, I'm a fan. Yeah. I think we all so, would. And, so, and it's, it's a pain that hurts us all. But look, Danny, you've given us loads of your time. It's been, it's been a fantastic evening to sit around the table talking to you about Barnet. I've enjoyed uh, it. It's been good. I think, I think everyone who's going to listen to this is going to enjoy it as well. So look, thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, your efforts on the pitch. Thanks for the goal we never saw. The goal we never saw. We <laughs> <laughs> wish you all the best in the future going forward. Thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. It's been brilliant. I'll take Robinson on. Most people would say I was mad. Oh, Ryan, I'm going to start from Curry, not a bad try, and that's a terrific goal.